Hey, friends, my guest today is another one of my best friends from the early days out in the Dalles. He is a school teacher and wrestling coach. And honestly, I can't think of a better person to be in charge of teaching and training our youth. He is a fantastic human being, and I love him like a brother. Here he is, Tony Rowland. I haven't had a haircut since the pandemic, so. Since like February? Uh, probably end of February. Yeah, because I just haven't gone in, you know, and my hair is longer than it's been in many, many years. You going to keep growing it? I think so. My wife wants me to wear a man bun, but <laughs> there you go. I'm like, absolutely not. Hey, no. She likes it. I know, but I don't like it. Uh, yeah, I, I have uh, this nice old lady in Gresham who she's kind of like a grandma figure. And I used to go to Bishop's, you know, Bishop's it's, um, it's like, uh, there's a bunch of tatted up ladies and dudes Uh, and you go in there and they have pictures all over the wall and then they'll give you a beer, uh, to drink while you're getting your haircut. And I went there and their turnover is so high. I'd go in every three months and it would be a different person. I could never get the same consistency. And sometimes I'd go in there and get a haircut and they would blow it so bad. I'd have to go home and shave my head. And so, um, also this, uh, I I started to get this like rash on the back of my head. And every time I'd get a haircut, you know, I'd go show Carly. I'd be like, what's up with this rash? She's like, I don't know. It looks like dry skin or something. Yeah. So I decide I'm not going to go to Bishop's anymore. And I, uh, just try this this old lady down in Gresham and I go in there and I sit down the first time I meet her and she starts shaving the back of my head and she goes, Oh God, honey, you have ringworm. (laughs) And I go, what? I just met her like 60 seconds before. Mm -hmm. And, uh, she goes, yeah, you have ringworm. You need to go get this checked out. And I was like, I was getting my hair cut for two years at Bishop's. These girls never said a single word to me about that. I go meet this nice old lady. She tells me straight up. I go to uh, urgent care, get pills. It was ringworm. Yeah. Uh, You take a pill once a week for six weeks and it's gone. And so she sold me after that. I go back and see her every single time because she's brutally honest with me. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm not a dermatologist, but I'm a wrestling coach. So I know all about many different types of skin diseases and um ringworm honestly is probably the least invasive or worrisome skin disease you can have uh it sounds terrible yeah but it's it's nothing man next time you get it if you ever do again or your kids get it just buy a like athlete's foot antifungal because it's a fungus yeah yeah you just spread that on there. It'll go away in a week or two. Yeah, you get it. Um, Not six weeks. It didn't take that long. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they gave me that prescription just to fully yeah. eradicate it from my skin. Um, but it did seem a little excessive. Uh, but now I have a fat stack of them. So if it does come back. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, you get it. I mean, you get it from a number of ways. But in wrestling, you just get it from rolling around on the mat, right? I- You know, my true belief is that you get it from other people. You know, Mm -hmm. it's a fungus. And if you don't wash yourself 
Um, even if you do, sometimes you'll get it. Just it's just everywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a fungus that's everywhere. Well, yeah, it's like staff, you know. Yeah, it's and everywhere. If if you're getting your haircut and they're not cleaning the clippers, it could totally go mm-hmm. from clipper to clipper, right? Definitely. Yeah. 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 Anything could. Um, but yeah, ringworm is the least least of my worries as a as a coach you mm-hmm. know? or as a parent. There is staff can kill you, you know. Mm-hmm. It can ruin your spinal cord. Yeah. Uh, I have a really close friend, coach, mentor type of guy who got staff in his spinal cord when he was little. Um, and they told me he could never walk again. And he ended up being able to walk and wow. he wrestled through high school with minimal use of his legs. And, um, but yeah, there's way worse things. And it entered his back somehow and got into his somehow. spinal column. Yep. Wow. Yep. Staff, cause staff can like burrow itself through your skin and muscles and into your bones. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a gnarly thing, but the scary thing is like a lot of people get it in the hospital. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what happened to my grandpa. He he was 19, I think, and he was working for the Forest Service. And so this is like, I don't know, 1960, Mm -hmm. 1965, somewhere in there. And he's out there. I don't know if it was a weed whacker, because I don't know if they had weed whackers in the 60s. Probably not. But he was doing something where he was chopping down a bunch of, uh, you know, the grass. And some little thing flew up into one of his eyes. I forget which one. And... He, he couldn't do anything about it. So he went home and just kind of chilled on it for a few days and it wouldn't get better. Yeah. So he went to the hospital and, um, while he was there acquired staff in his eye, it got insanely, uh, infected and they had to take his eye out. So he's got one eye since he was 19 years old, man. I couldn't imagine. Yeah. I was, uh, I don't know. I was watching something and there's an old John Wayne movie, uh, True Grit, I think. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but, and he has an eye patch and he can shoot like really well, you know? And I'm pretty sure if you only have one eye, like you lose a lot of your depth perception. Yeah. So it'd be really weird. Could you drive? He, he drives and, uh, the truck, he drives. The speedometer doesn't work. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so like, how he's, would, he's got a lot of challenges. How would you drive, or how would John Wayne ride a horse with an eye patch? Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, right. I was listening to the your dad's. Did you listen to that? One. Yeah, I was yeah. doing that on the way over here, and I was like, "Oh my god, I had a flip or two. You um, did? Oh yeah, um, but not as bad as him, man. That's that's yeah. funny. Yeah, his his yeah. face got wrecked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he stabbed his nose. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a bunch of other stuff he didn't get to either. Uh, my mom, my mom was coming home and I didn't want her to blast in on us. Mm-hmm. And I also kind of wanted to reset it cause I was going to do one with her too. Yeah. And so I kind of cut us off really quick. Uh, and then she came home, but yeah, he, there's another story and I mean, I'll get him on to tell some more, but, uh, he, he was in um, some sort of rodeo. I forget what they called it. And this was in like 93 and it was in Lakeview and I was there, you know, our whole family was there. I would have been nine and they had these wild uh, colts, whatever wild horse is called, you know, like a pony. Yeah. And there, there's groups of, 
three and then there's probably 10 horses so 30 people you know yeah, yeah. and they they count down and they fire off the buzzer and then all the gates fly open and you've got a uh, rope that's tied to them, mm-hmm. but no saddle or anything. Yeah, yeah. And you've got to get somebody on top of it yep. and ride it across. Do you, is this like a common thing at a uh, rodeo? I, I've been to the Pendleton rodeo a lot. It's uh-huh. the wild horse races. Um, you got to go out and grab a horse, right? Mm-hmm. And jump on it and ride it around uh, one full lap. Okay. Uh, I think. Um, never really sober at that. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that. Something weird, you know, like, but, um, yeah, the wild horse races. And I, th- I think the native Americans, um, do that one. Okay. Uh, or yeah, I don't know, uh, but there's no saddle. And, there, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, rodeo. And I don't know if I could do that. I could, it, but I yeah. if I'd want to do it for that long. You, you gotta, you gotta have some serious, balls to to try to attempt something like that because well see because what happened with him is they they open up the gate and the horses come flying out Mm -hmm. and so it's him and two of his friends and i don't know if this is common knowledge too because i don't know anything about horses or rodeos but if you reach up and pinch the horse's ear yeah they'll chill and so it was i haven't heard that you haven't heard that no 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 so what it is that i've heard is you bite their ear Oh. So you like grab them and bite it, okay. and then they maybe like, oh okay, and they kind of submit. Okay, maybe yep. that's what he was supposed to do. Yeah. Either way, he he's reaching up to grab the horse's ear. Yeah. Because that was his job, mm-hmm. and the horse kicked, and we've got this on video too. It's oh, crazy yeah. on VHS, and the horse kicks his. I think it's his ring finger. Yeah. Kicks his ring finger and shatters it. Yeah. And so he just. Hits it, hits it on the end and it just goes, yeah, just totally destroyed it. And so you see him like go down and he's just holding it and everybody's just like, oh man, they lost. Yeah. Come on, Chaylin, what are you doing? And he walks over and it's just like mangled and they have to take him to the the hospital. And yeah, even to this day, the knuckle is so fat and he can't bend it. More yeah. than that, it's like that all the time. See that pinky? <laughs> you coming too? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can bend, but I can only bend them that far. Yeah, you know. Would you um, do yours? Uh, that was a rafting trip um, down the the white salmon. You know, I was listening to Riva Riva, the first guy you had on here. Oh, Ravi, Ravi, yeah, yeah Ravi. And I was like, man, that guy. I want to hang out with him. I want to go rafting with that guy. He's a cool. Guy. Yeah, he sounds super cool. He's very cool. Um, but yeah, he was talking about going over like a six foot waterfall and uh, Hewson Falls is on the White Salmon and he was talking about going over the White Salmon, uh-huh. but he wasn't talking about Hewson. And I went with a bunch of the sage, uh, sage guys that I know, professional whitewater rafting guides and um, they've never gone down the White Salmon and I had and they're like, hey, we're, we got a day off and our boss told us like, get out of here, like go figure out something else to do, go maybe like down another river go down the white salmon and they're like well we don't know how to do that like Mm -hmm. how are we gonna go so i literally well they asked me they're like hey have you ever gone down the white salmon i'm like oh yeah like it's awesome you know they're like you've gone down Houston. i'm like yeah it was awesome you know like here look at these pictures you know i went with my dad it was a father's day gift for him Uh, my brother and i and him went down and it's a, it's an intense river. You know, I, I guide on the Deschutes and it's not 
very intense. People mm-hmm. might think it is, but it's like a lazy river compared to some. And uh, we go, well, first off, you know, they asked me, I'm like, oh yeah, I could guide you down that. And I have no idea what, what I'm doing. Like I've never guided down that river. Like when I went, I was like 22 years old, mm-hmm. had a professional guide taken us. I just kind of sat back and let him do his thing. And uh, I agree to do this. So then I'm like, I gotta, I'm responsible, you know, like these young guys, um, some of them, I don't know how old they were, but a lot younger than me are depending on me to get them down this river safe. So what do I do? What anybody would do, I look on YouTube on how to guide <laughs> down the White Salmon River. Yeah. yeah. Like, and I took notes, like, I watched probably two hours of YouTube video. Yeah. And some of those videos are really detailed and they'd name the rapid. And then I would take notes, like, you know, take right side or um, watch out for rock here. And, and I studied those notes for. And did they have GoPros to show you? Yeah. Yeah. Actually yeah. Going down so it? you yeah. can watch the video. Nice. And they, and I was like, I got this, you know. Um, and I was, uh, and I was with all these guys who know the river and they know how to survive if they fall out and all this stuff. So, and they had really good paddlers. So, um, yeah, we went down and, uh, it was a great time. Um, I'll show you the video sometime. Uh, I, I GoPro'd it, you know, um, and we went through and we were doing great and we we're doing great and we we're doing great and we we're having a good time. And I think one of us was sober the whole time and um, I was having a blast, you know, cause these guys were doing everything I said and we were maneuvering through these rapids perfectly and we were pulling over and everybody was just elated. Mm-hmm. You know, they were like, this is a completely different river. And uh, they were super appreciative that I took them. And then we got the Houston falls, which is a class five rapid. So what um, can you explain what a class five means? Uh, so there's different classifications. You can look it up. Uh, it's usually for most rivers, it's one through six, six is like impassable. Do not do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, very likely, uh, your, your gear, your boat or you are not going to make it through. Yeah. Um, so most class sixes are illegal. You can't do it. Like they don't even classify waterfalls usually. Is that what Niagara is? Yeah. You know, like they don't even, cla- <laughs> like that's not a classification, yeah. Yeah. you know? So five is legit. You were five is yeah, like expert. Uh, yeah. uh, Houston Falls is one of the largest drops in the country that's commercially ran. So where people do it regularly, and you have to wait for the water to be at the right uh, CFF CF yeah hmm. the cubic feet per second um, for the river. So how much water is flowing down the river? So, and how can you tell that? Oh, uh, you look it on the internet, man. It's like <laughs> YouTube, anything, man. You look it on the internet. Um, yeah. So we went and we would, it was great. We were having a good time. I was videoing it. We, we set up to go down Houston. We hit it absolutely perfect. Um, and I was holding on, you know, there's a strap. I set a strap in front of us and I grabbed that strap like a, like in a rodeo, right? And I mm-hmm. leaned back and I, holding back like this and we all had helmets on, thank God. And when we went over, it bucked me forward and I like headbutted three people in front of me, like bam, bam, bam. And didn't even feel it, you know, but you can see in the video, like I obviously got bucked forward and they all said like, oh yeah, we felt you hit us. 
So that happened and then we went underwater and then we come up and we we hit it absolutely perfectly. We come up perfectly, we come out, but by that time I'm like falling over the side and I'm trying to hold on so tight that I had a ring. So you can see my ring now is rubber, mm -hmm. but I had a, my wedding ring on and it just smashed because I was grabbing something like this and it just rolled over my hand and it just smashed my finger right here. And these two knuckles broke. Um, and then it actually hit the top of my pinky right here so hard that all the meat was sticking out of the front of my pinky. Whoa. So I came up and I didn't even realize it. And, you know, on the video, I'm like, whoa, man, that was awesome. And I was underwater for at least 10 seconds, which doesn't seem like very long. Like everybody can hold their breath for 10 seconds. But, um, and I expected, you know, and I prepared myself and I thought about it and I watched all these videos of people being held underwater at Houston Falls and how long it takes for it to usually push you out. And it's a weird feeling, you know? Um, yeah. Cause you're underneath the water and then it's just piling on top of you, right? Yeah. Like your buddy was saying, uh, it's, it churns, so it doesn't push you out. It just holds you under there. Yeah. Um, and it was holding me under, and I could see the light. You know, it was probably about about to your ceiling, and I have my paddle up. Because a lot of times you can stick your paddle up, and if somebody's going by, they can, like, grab it, right? Uh, so yeah. I think, like, instinctually, I put my paddle up, and I never let go of my paddle. That's another thing. Like, after you've done it for a while, it's like, I'm not letting go of my paddle. And I put it up like this. And of course, I had a life jacket on. So I was like, okay, I'm going to float up. I just need to be calm. And I held my breath and I was looking up and I was looking up. And all of a sudden, it starts getting dark. And I'm going down, 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 down. You know, I'm like, that's okay. Like, it's only been like three seconds. Um, and then I felt the waterfall, the pressure, the water coming down on top of me. So it was like the water. So I got pulled back under the waterfall oh, and it was just going no. coming down on top of me. So then it just goes dark and I'm like, oh, like I'm way underwater again. And I'm like, and I'm holding, I'm holding on. I'm like, okay, I gotta wait. And I'm looking up and, um, you know, just hold my breath. And it seemed like a long time. And then finally I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta get the F out of here. Yeah. And I just... And I have my eyes open, you know, you usually don't just like when you freak out underwater, you always open your eyes. Yeah. Right? So I, I have my eyes open the whole time and I never have my eyes open in a river. No. This is like the only time I can remember looking up and being like, okay, like I'm way down because it's dark. Um, and I kind of just curled up and then I all of a sudden was just like, I gotta get out of here. And I just start swimming as hard as I can in one direction. And I came up. You're still holding the paddle? Holding the paddle, yeah. And I came up and I could hear my buddies yelling, Tony, like yelling like frantically. Mm -hmm. And I yelled up and I was like, yeah, <laughs> I meant to do I, that. We made it. And I looked down and I saw they were okay, you know, and I was relieved. And then, uh, mm -hmm. and I kind of knew they were okay, like instinctually. And then I swam to the edge and I jumped out and I looked down. And you can see all this on the camera. And I looked down and I'm like, oh man, my pinky is broken. And I'm like, oh no. And I look and there's a big hunk of meat sticking out the front and it was white, you know, it was weird. Yeah. Um, and I ran down to meet him, ran down on the right side of the river and they look up and they're like, oh, are you okay, man? Like, you know, like a bunch of tubular, like, laughing at, yeah, dude, cool. Um, I was like, ah, that was awesome. And I jumped down and I jumped in the boat and I'm like, look at my finger. And you can see them all like repulsed. They're like, oh, and they're like, is that your bone? And I'm like, 
I don't think so. <laughs> I don't want to touch it. And I touch sure. it and it was soft. So I was like, no, man, I think that's just meat. And I'd like push on it. And they're like, dude, I think like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I was bleeding and stuff. And I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get my ring off. Um, I don't even know if I took my ring off right away, but anyway, that's how I broke my pinky. Um, and then we went down again, you know, I taped it up and I was like, all right, let's go again. Uh, and then the guy who was, he was a young guy, I think he was 20. Um, and he wasn't drinking, you know, he was underage and, um, he was a very competent young man and he's, uh, I don't know. He was just awesome. And he, you know, I, most people be like, Oh, whatever that guy, but he uh, did a great job. And he's like, can I guide this time? I'm like, please. Like, yeah, do it, man. Like I want to ride on the front. Yeah. Um, and he guided us down again and we did it perfectly again. So we went two, two twice in a row. Like, so you came down off the falls and then packed the raft back up and went, yeah, I drove it back up. Like the the boss uh, of Sage, he, gave us his van, you know, mm-hmm. and, his, and they borrowed a raft from a, a local in Moppin who had an awesome little raft that isn't even made anymore. Uh, it's perfect for that river. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know I got a raft now that I can take down Houston. I bought one last year from uh, Sue Eddie, Sue Harjo. You remember? Uh, I remember that name. Harjo's. Yeah. Yeah. Harjo. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not supposed to use name, but oh, uh, whatever. That's cool. Uh, so you, when you're the guide, you have to sit on the back, and everybody else is up front, so you can just kind of see what's going on and yeah, yeah, tell yep. people what to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, you remember Mr. Eddie? Yeah, right. Uh-huh. It's his raft. I bought it for. Um, I bought his old raft. Yeah. And what is it more reinforced? What makes it better able to go down the falls versus something else? Uh, so that river, you can't have big rafts. Uh-huh. Uh, it's too small of a river. You have to be able to move around really quick. And it has to be very uh, just able to maneuver. Uh-huh. And it's this raft that I got is like 10 and a half feet. The ones we take down, like if we go... Um, in next month or whatever, when we're planning on doing it, it'll probably be like a 14 foot raft. This okay. one's 10 and a half feet. Okay. So it's way smaller. Uh, so you don't want to take yours up. You want to get one in mopping when we go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can take mine. Uh, it depends on how many people we have. Yeah. The one I have is probably like a max five people, uh-huh. you know, to be well, comfortable and well, have a cooler and all that. I don't know if I told you this yet, but I'm trying to get Ian to come out. Yeah. Yeah. Where is he at? He's in uh, in Carolina, or somewhere near Charleston, South yeah, Carolina. Yeah, yeah, one of the Carolinas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to what get a, him come. What a crazy, awesome, uh, interesting guy! Like, uh, oh yeah, he's, he's a character. He's one of a kind. Mm-hmm. Um, I've become really close with his brother, Max. Oh yeah, and uh, he lives with my my brother Ryan. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they live out in Gaston. Okay. Um, well, d- doesn't he own a house in the Dallas too? He, he did. To. He sold it. Yeah. Yep. He sold it before he went to Thailand. So yeah, he went to yeah. Thailand, sold his house, bought a business, ran the business. I don't know if he had a falling out with the guy that he was doing it with. Yeah, somebody what. told me something about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, it's hard, man, running a business, especially in another country. Uh, how do you do that? You know, <laughs> yeah, um, I have no you idea. You don't speak the language. Yeah. He said that was the biggest problem. Like, if he could have speak it, spoken, spoken, spoken. Um, Thai, Thai, yeah, and then he would have been way better off. But he said it was just people trying to take advantage of him, and 
he didn't know if they were trying to. Um, but yeah, man, I love those, that family, that family is awesome. Yeah. Um, in a, in a interesting way, you know, like they have, a they have their ways and looking back on it, you know, as a dad now and a married man, mm-hmm. it's a, uh, every family's different. Yeah. I mean, Irvin and I kind of got into this on the last one, just about, uh, when you're younger and you're interacting with other kids and their parents, you, uh, you don't really, you don't have anything to gauge it against. You're just yeah. kind of like, this is what it is. And you might like, or dislike somebody. Lack then, of experience. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I mean, everybody's family's different, but mm-hmm. then you grow up you have your own kids, you get a yeah. wife and a house and like, then you can kind of start to piece things together a little yeah. bit more and look at things and, and say, yeah, you know what? Maybe, maybe that guy's parents weren't so bad. They're yeah. just trying to take care of their kid. Right. Yeah. I think every, every parent, not every parent, but 99.9% of parents really have great intentions mm-hmm. and they want the best for their kids. And there's a few out there that are just like, well, who knows what they're thinking. Right. Yeah. But, um, most of them all have the, absolute best interest for their parents and you know as somebody who works with kids a lot you have to remind yourself that all the time like you you know it's like what are these parents thinking um but the number one thing i try to tell parents is like hey i know you love your kids and you want the best for them yeah and so do i yeah we're on on the same page yeah i try to be on their team you know it's like hey we're on the same team like i'm not against you and then whatever you're gonna say um Whatever you want, if it's best for your kid and I can help, I'm going to help you do that as long as I can, you know? Um, yeah, I wanted to, to get into that with you. Uh, so you are a teacher, sixth grade, you said? Yep. In Oregon City. Hood River. Hood, in Hood River. Yeah. You right. have to drive to Hood River every day? Right. Uh, no. So I'm very called blessed or, uh, all I had lucky. to do is look at your shirt. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> I got on my hat and my shirt. No, I'm representing. Uh, I'm um, retarded. No, no, no. Um, that, that last year was the first year. Uh, and I went from fifth grade in Oregon city, you know, nine, okay. 10, 11 year olds yeah. to sixth grade in hood river. And it was an opportunity that I just could not pass up. And I was willing to commute if I had to. We've been looking for a house in that crazy real estate market for, well, since August of last year. So almost a year, we've been really looking for a place that we can buy there. Um, but it's been awesome, man. I, I was kind of recruited to go and be a coach. Okay. Um, so first thing opened up was a head coaching wrestling, uh, wrestling coach position and it was a dream job, man. Um, it's even getting better. I think, uh, the athletic director retired as the head wrestling coach became the athletic director. The principal of the high school wrestled for the ducks, just like me. Now he is the superintendent. So the superintendent is a ex Oregon duck wrestler, just like me. Wow. Right. So it was like a dream job where it's like, if I'm going to get supported, this is the place to go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it almost kind of seems like in the Dallas with baseball. Yeah. Right. 
Well, well, maybe not with all those connections, but like baseball in the Dallas was big. It was big. And it sounds like wrestling in Hood River is big then. Well, I'm going to try to build the dynasty. Yeah. Um, It's going to be, it's work, of course, but man, if I can't do it there, where else? Yeah. Like I got, I got the, the head of the school system who understands everything I'm trying to do. He coached the Hood River wrestling team when he first moved there. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, it's uh, it was like they say, like turnkey for mm-hmm. houses. Like it was walk in. They got all this stuff set up. I just have to try to polish it up and yeah. make it my own, and yeah, and try to build, 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 build as much as I can. Um, it's kind of a smaller community, though. You know, when we grew up, I thought Hood River was at least the same size as the Dallas. I thought so too. No, it's like a third of the size, man. Huh. It's like. Six, seven, eight thousand people. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you, you include the whole county. The county of Hood River County is way smaller than Wasco County. Uh-huh. Just the county size, the land mask, the land mass compared to Wasco County is way smaller. And then the population is way smaller. So I need to draw a lot of kids into wrestling and make it worth their while, you know. And, sure. and, and first of all, it's like we we're talking about, it's convincing the parents that, hey, this is what's going to be best for your kid. Yeah. Um, and teach them the things that they so, need to know to be a successful adult. So th- there must only be one high school. Yep. In Hood River. Is there only the whole one? county. In the whole so county. So Cascade Locks, right? That's in Hood River County. All those kids drive 20 miles to go to Hood River House. Okay. Uh, either in the middle school, right? So we're sending buses 20 miles down the freeway. Wow. So that's like a 45 mile turnaround, right? Yeah. Uh, to get those kids. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. But in, in the meantime, until all this happened, you were driving from Oregon City to Hood River. Or did you go somewhere and stay? Did you go stay in the Dallas or something? So sometimes I'd stay at my parents. They still live in the Dallas. Um, and then the ex athletic director also a wrestler um awesome family it's done well for himself has a farm out there has a big farmhouse um and he said and my parents ran into him and this was before i even got the uh, coaching job right so i had to get the head coach wrestling job um and i told him i'm not accepting this job until i can get a teaching job sure uh so he tried to pull strings that doesn't work anymore these days, right? You used to, if you got a head coaching job, they're like, you got a teaching job. It's like a package deal. Yeah. Uh, doesn't work that way anymore. Um, in most communities, a lot of communities that are tiny communities, yeah, they just want the best people that they can get. Uh, Hood River, I talked to the principal at Hood River Middle School, and I've talked to him multiple times. Awesome guy, um, super supportive great leader of a school been at Hood River middle school for a long time and he uh he looked me dead in the eyes and he said i didn't hire you because i was told to you know and he said i hired you because you're the best candidate mm-hmm. um and i was kind of like well yeah, whatever hopefully hopefully i was like yeah yeah but um i think i can impact a lot of kids through both of these but so i got the coaching job interviewed for some elementary teaching jobs because that's what 
Like I can go all the way up to sixth grade. I can go to kindergarten, sixth grade. It's like, no, I'm not doing kindergarten. That's what your degree yeah, allows that's you to do. Math, I have a master's degree, right? So kindergarten, sixth grade. And I can do other things if I go back to school. I'm like, never, never going back to school. No, I'm not paying more money unless it's free, you know? Like if somebody's yeah. going to sponsor me, I'm not going into debt to because you don't get paid more, right? Like yeah. teachers, more teachers have master's degrees than probably any other any other job, right? Yeah. So, and they don't get paid jack yeah. for it, right? Mm-hmm. Like they have all this education and we have to go into these classes all the time, mm-hmm. right? Like all year long, we're taking classes to keep up on what is, uh, it's called continuing education. So anyway, um, I, I got the coaching job, did not get the elementary jobs. Then I got a call that said, hey, uh, come back. There's a job at the middle school that they're going to hire for. So um, when interviewed for that, they called me that day and they said, hey, we think we're going to offer you the job. And I was just like, yes. And um, I got the job. My wife was just like, we're not moving. That's never going to happen. You know, like I'm like, it's going to happen. Like, you know, if they if they gave me the head coaching job or if I earned that, then they're they're going to find something. Where, yeah. Um, because because yeah, otherwise you're not going to be able to take the position. No, you can't, can't. You can't like, feed your family with just the head yeah. coach position. Yeah. No, no. And you know they used to be like give my wife a job too. Mm-hmm. You know it used to be you used to be able to strong arm them and say I'm going to build a dynasty, especially like football, baseball, basketball, those big sports. If you were the head coach, you could be like my wife needs a job. You know too, like she's a teacher. Um, and I wish that was the way for me, but I don't think that's the right way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you got to earn it. And uh, I got the job as a sixth grade teacher. And then my parents uh, talked to this guy that I've known since I was a little kid. He was the club coach of Hood River. He used to referee me and make fun of me when I was a little kid and, you know, like uh, poke at me and be, and, you know, I remember specifically in middle school, um, I was, you know, pretty successful wrestler as a little kid. And I threw this kid, uh, I don't even remember what it was, but it was at the district tournament. It was at Hood River Valley High School. Mm-hmm. And I threw this kid straight back and I did, and you're not supposed to do that in middle school wrestling. And I, you know, did an illegal move. It was too like high level, whatever. Um, and he just looked at me and he's like, Roland, you can't do that. Like, come on. And he penalized me. Yeah. And if that kid would have laid down, then I would have lost. And that would have been the only loss I had in middle school or whatever. But, um, and this guy, uh, Keith, ended up running into my parents, talking to him, and saying, well, I would love to have somebody stay at my house and watch it while we go to Arizona or Palm Desert, Palm, no, California. Mm-hmm. So he has a place in California that he goes during the winter, which is the time when I had to be in Hood River all the sure. time. Yeah. Um and he just let me stay at his house. That's cool. Yeah. So I could stay there whenever I want. My wife and kid could come down. My wife only worked three days a week, so she could come for the weekend, stay four or five days if she wanted. Nice. Uh which is tough on her, you know, like as a having a little baby, it was just Yeah, it's a lot of work. You got to pack the whole car full of everything, right? Yeah. The car is packed full with all the stuff. So it was really tricky. So this whole uh, 
so we did that all the way through and luckily our uh, state championships was literally like a week before they shut everything down Mm -hmm. so we had the wrestling state championships boom a week later everything shut down basketball didn't get out of their championships um yeah so that's how it was it was and i did i commuted a lot man it was it's a stretch leaving at 6 a.m to get to work early so they could be ready yeah yeah what's that like this is gonna sound this is gonna sound stupid or naive but what what is the life of a teacher like you have to get there at what seven so you have to, so um, when does school start? School started at eight forty five for middle school. So how 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 early do you have to get there before school starts? Uh, Seven forty five is when hour before. Start, yeah, yeah. Then you're there all day till school gets out at three three thirty whatever. Yep. And then three twenty five, I think our kids got out and okay. And practice then you, started at three twenty, so I was always late every day. <laughs> I had awesome awesome assistant coaches. Like I said, it was turnkey. I had these guys uh-huh. that were like. I want to be a part of this. And yeah, they were just there. But that's, that's a long day, right? Yeah. Five days a week. I mean, cause you're as a teacher, your job doesn't really end at three twenty five, right? You still yeah. have to grade papers and prepare stuff for the next day. Yeah. So that's, that's a lot of work, right? It is a lot more than what we're contracted to do. You know, um, to be honest, like I should probably do more. Uh, and that's the weird thing as a teacher, you always know you could do more, you know, you could always make a lesson better. You could always make it more interesting. Well, you could always have more. Yeah. So, if you, if you're a good person and you have a soul, mm-hmm. you probably make connections with all those 30 kids yeah. and you, you got to help some of them more than the others and yeah. you develop relationships. And yeah. then, yeah, I mean, you probably end up treating them like your own kids at some point. You love them, man. I don't know how else to describe it, mm-hmm. you know, um, the best teachers have and coaches absolutely love and care about the kids. You know, how, why else would you do it? Yeah. It's, you don't get paid very well. <laughs> yeah. And and people will, people will dispute that, you know, like you listen to Lars Larson or somebody, uh-huh. know, cause I always try to listen to both sides. Yeah. Um, you should. And he must've been like belittled or something by a teacher because he just thinks like, I don't know, like you only work, you only work 60% of the year, but yeah, that's all we get paid for, right? You're raising the youth. Yeah. Like what's the value? You're teaching yeah. the children, right? Like that's like one of the most important jobs ever. Yeah. And I don't think we should get paid like $200,000 a year. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's not like that time of job, but you should be paid for the value you provide for society, mm-hmm. right? And if a garbage man gets paid the same as a teacher, yeah, and no knock on garbage men because they work hard, and you know I have a lot of uh, that in my family. Um, it's a weird, it's a weird thing, you know. Like if if you can manage a McDonald's and get paid the same as managing a classroom mm-hmm. of kids who you're trying to teach not only reading, writing, arithmetic, uh, most importantly is how to be like a great adult, right? Yeah. Like, so, I, I mean, that's my main focus is not teaching algebra. It's 
why do you work hard? You work yeah. hard so you can become a great, hardworking person who respects himself. Mm -hmm. So it's a it's a tough thing, man. It's uh, but yeah, I'm there early usually, and I usually leave late. Uh, I try to work more than everybody else in my department. Yeah. Uh, especially when you're a coach because you have to leave early. Some days you take off, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm out, uh, I'm leaving halfway through the day. I'm having a half day sub. It's hard on the kids. Kids, it doesn't benefit them at all. When a sub comes in, you can remember having substitutes. Yeah. You watch, you watch movies. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the time, right? Oh, the subs um, here are watching. Yeah. We're watching a movie. Again. And how, how hard is that job? Right. You come in for three hours have no baseline with the kids. You have no relationship. Kids yeah. are trying to run you over, right? I can yeah. remember uh, a guy you talked about earlier, um, Irby. Uh, I can remember him making substitutes cry uh, <laughs> when we were in middle school, you know? Like, yeah. they called him an ugly little child. And, and he was like, you called me ugly. Like, and, and she didn't mean it. Like, she meant, like, you were <laughs> you were having an ugly attitude, yeah. you know, right? Yeah. And, but he took it as, like... <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. Only my mom could say right. that. And he, you know, he was the funniest guy, man, back then. Um, but, man, it's a tough job. Yeah. And I try to set him up for success, but there's only so much you can do. And you want to make it easy on them. And for me, it's like, just keep them safe. Like, mm -hmm. For the time I'm not there, they don't have to learn anything. But. Well, they're, so my kids go to a charter school here in Gresham. Yep. And uh, one thing that I didn't understand until they started going there is charter schools, uh, they, they receive public funding. Yep. So they're basically a public school. They're part of like a school district, right? Yeah. And there's a lottery system to get in. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know exactly how that works, but mm -hmm. once one kid gets in, the, the other siblings can get in. They, for whatever reason, I don't think they can pay their teachers as much as a, a normal public school can, mm -hmm. so they lose teachers every single year. Which is hard. Which is super hard because yeah. they they have a different curriculum mm -hmm. and kind of a, a little different way of teaching the kids how to read and do other skills. Yeah. And so the kids that go to that school, they're almost like a full grade ahead. Yeah. Uh, which is super cool. Yeah. And the teachers really love them and they work with them, but they they disappear within yeah. a year or two because they can go to a public school and get paid more money, yeah. which still isn't even that much money. Right. Uh, so the most important teacher that um, my kids have had was a guy who taught fourth and then he switched to fifth. Nice. And uh, in a way, he kind of reminds me of you. Like he's he's young, he's fun, he's way into sports. He's not that young anymore. You, you are, you are, <laughs> uh, but he, he would set up like, uh, I think he called it like Turkey bowl mm -hmm. where, where he gets all the kids together and like all the kids from the past that he's already taught for 10 years or whatever, yeah. he, he'd get them together and play football with them, uh, over, uh, Thanksgiving break. He like does all these really cool things with them yeah. and kind of treats them like they're little adults yep. instead of just like disciplining them, you know? Mm -hmm. And so. Maybe, I, I, I don't know personally, but maybe he didn't teach them everything he he should have according to the book. Yeah. But he taught them how to become humans. Yeah. And every single kid that went through his class loved him. And they just, they let him go last year. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. It, it, well, 
did they let him go or did he move on and get a different job? I, I don't know exactly. Yeah. They just sent an email. So I'm not exactly sure what happened. But uh, yeah, that is one of those jobs. That- so here's the thing about education, right? And government jobs. People complain about government, right? Mm-hmm. Why would the most talented, hardest working people work in schools, education, or any government job? Because they genuinely enjoy what they do and want to make things better. That's it, right? Yeah. So that's why they take such a cut in their pay because they love teaching or they love what they're doing or they or they want to make a difference and they are taken advantage of financially because of that, right? So you complain or you, not you, but people complain about government not being run efficiently. It's like, well, the business manager of a school district if they were super talented, you know, if they're not, they're not the best person at managing a business. Like if you want the best talent, you have to pay for it. Yeah. And government's not willing to do that. And, yeah. and school districts can't do that, you know? So don't complain about having less talented people financially running government positions. If you're not going to pay them, sure. you know, if you gave them $20 million bonuses, and you could attract people that could run a school district and make it run great, you know, financially, then you would have that. But yeah. you're trying to you're trying to run something with people that you're paying seventy thousand dollars a year to do yeah. a job that just like what teachers do, they're working way more hours than what they're getting paid to do. Yeah, you can't uh, you can't quantify it with the amount of hours that you think they're just working because yeah. there's a lot of things happening behind the scenes right. later on at night on the weekends preparing like uh, with everything that that went down with COVID. Uh, you and I talked about this a little bit before we started um, that that week in March. No one knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And then we took spring break. Mm-hmm. And in Oregon, at least, they said, oh, we're going to take another week of spring break. Yeah. Essentially. And mm-hmm. everybody's kind of like, oh, cool. We'll come back on April 4th or whatever it was. Yep. And then we found out that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And the schools had to start figuring out a way to do distance learning. Mm-hmm. And on the spot. On the spot. And you have, uh, you have educators who have a focus on working with children and maybe don't have a background in technology and trying to figure out Google classrooms and how to record a video and make sure your audio sounds good. You got people in their houses with shitty Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my kids' teachers, I don't know what was up with her Wi-Fi, but a lot of times it would just like cut out and she didn't know that her video wasn't getting fully recorded. Yep. You know? There's so many factors that make that so difficult. And then you've got the kids sitting here at the table looking at a laptop. They're so bored. Bored. They don't want anything to do with that. They want to be there with their friends and learning and everything. It's such such a a difficult thing to figure out right now. Yep. Nobody knew what was going on. Now we got to change. We got to figure this out. And it was just so difficult. Well, what happened was 99% of why kids like going to school was taken away. Mm-hmm. Like, remember when you went to sixth grade? 
Were you ever excited to go learn math? No. No, you wanted to go see your friends. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the only reason kids most of the time love school. Some kids hate school because of all that, but that's a whole different uh, conversation. But you took all that away and now they have to sit there and listen to a teacher yeah. and do math at home. It's like homework. Kids mm -hmm. hate homework. And they're doing it all day long. Yeah. And they're overwhelmed. And parents hate it. Mm -hmm. And parents, hopefully, they realize, like, yeah, how do you sit a kid down and make them do something he doesn't yeah. want to do? Well, that's what we do all day long with 30 yeah. kids in a class. Uh -huh. And we're supposed to entertain them, teach them something new, you know, teach them how to work hard, grade them, tell the parent how well they did, and put a grade in there. You know, it's like... It's a, it's a, it's an, it was an impossible situation to be successful, super successful. I mean, I think the school district that I was working for did a way better job than other school districts because I had inside information on a couple different school districts because mm -hmm. um, my wife worked for one and I worked for a different one mm -hmm. and I got to watch different Zoom meetings and, you know, this district I worked for it was like, a month or two ahead mm -hmm. of other districts. And yeah. I was like, they're on it. You know, they were trying really hard and yeah. we're smaller too, right? Not super small, but um, yeah. What about kids that don't have internet at home? Yeah. There was- Or laptops. Or laptops. Yeah. Or cell phones. Yeah. Like how do you run distance learning? You know, I had, a, I had one girl specifically, super tough, already in trouble with the law. 11 years old, mm -hmm. right? Um, split family, uh, minority, no Wi-Fi. Uh, phone was taken away, probably for a really good reason, right? Mom took phone away. Um, so I had to call her mom every, not every day. Um, I really just focused on math with her. But twice a week I would call and sit there for an hour talking to her on FaceTime yeah, for an hour to one kid. It's a one-on-one -on -one, twice a week with this student teaching her math. Super capable. Like this girl could do anything she wanted, right? If she wanted to. Um, but English is a second language. Um, she didn't really care about that. All she wanted to do was talk to her friends. Mm -hmm. But she was cut off from the social aspect of school. So it's like, yeah. so now it's just like, it, the most important thing about that was I would just wanted to show her that I care about her. I care about her learning. I will sit down for two hours a week and of course teach math. Yeah. And that's, that's important. And that, that's a good thing on your part because to dedicate that amount of time to one specific person, whether or not they realize what's happening, like, that I hope she looks back huge. and she's like, wow, like that Mr. Rowan, like I really just want her to stop by next year and be like, Mr. Rowan, how's it going? Give me some candy. You know, like that's all I care about. Like you got candy in your office? Oh, in my room. In yeah. your room? I got a treasure chest uh full of candy. <laughs> but I support like I I I don't let kids eat candy in my room. Yeah. Unless I give it to them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it makes it even more special. So uh yeah, I, I it was weird, you know, like because we don't have a snack time, you know, in school. There's no, there's no nutrition break. Yeah. So another thing, right? The lunches we give kids. 
Yeah, I could go off and on. No, no, no. no. We, we, right? So yeah, we could get into this. I, I, I'd yeah. like to share on that too. Go ahead. Yeah. The lunches that we give the kids are terrible nutrition, mm-hmm. right? And Michelle Obama tried to like change that. Mm-hmm. It's the cheapest, right? Again, schools don't have a lot of money. Are they going to give an extra hundred thousand dollars per school to get better food? Because where does that money come from? It comes from something else, right? It comes it, from a couple other teachers. It could come from the military budget. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, I don't get me into that. We'll talk about that <laughs> later. But um, trillions, right? Trillions of dollars. Where does that money go? All we need to do is print more money, mm. just like we did for our, you know, our mm-hmm. bailout. Mm-hmm. Like I got some money. Mm-hmm. Cool. Can't you just print more money and give it to schools? <laughs> You could. Yeah. They could, right? Yeah. Um, but the nutrition is terrible, right? Mm-hmm. Terrible breakfast, um, terrible lunch, no snacks provided. Mm-hmm. So who's providing snacks? Teachers. Yeah. Right? I'm asking parents because eventually, because when I was running, I was running a special ed program in Oregon City and I was buying, I was going to Costco like once a month buying snacks. What kind of snacks last for a month? Yeah. Not healthy snacks, right? Yeah. Like goldfish, right? Like so goldfish, Cheez-Its, things that aren't healthy. I sent out emails, probably 10 emails this year telling parents, absolutely no healthy or unhealthy snacks. Like your child cannot eat unhealthy snacks in my room. Um, just because like I just don't believe in that. That doesn't help them learn, right? Their brain doesn't get fed terrible snacks and say it's okay an epidemic, man. let's let's open up and start learning things like after we had you know 40 cheeses sitting yeah. there listening to mr roland babble on about algebra but um but i do give candy like kids love candy i love candy you know like um they would see me eating candy be like mm, mr roland like <laughs> you can't you're eating candy i'm like i got a master's degree yeah like when you get a master's degree you can yep. eat candy in class i'm an adult yeah i'm your teacher yeah it's different like it. yeah i'm on my cell phone because I'm the teacher. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you are a child. Um, and there's rules. And they're different for people who are in leadership. But it's different, man. Yeah. And I just want those kids to come back. Like, if anything, like, you remember your favorite teachers, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they weren't, it wasn't, you. your favorite teacher, and I would imagine everybody's like this. It wasn't because they taught you math really well mm-hmm. like you don't probably have a teacher that's like man i learned so much about social studies man health you yeah know, i learned about my body from that teacher that's why they're my favorite te- no yeah. nobody likes the teacher because they taught them the curriculum really well yeah um now that's our job yes but most important is teaching them how to be successful well-functioning healthy adults yeah and Who's the first teacher of every child? Their parent, right? Mm-hmm. So so we're taking these kids that you're trying to teach what you know. Sometimes the parents are awesome. And sometimes they know even or they did an even better job than what you could do. And sometimes they're terrible, you know? So you're trying to rewire their brain so that they realize this is how I can be happy and successful mm-hmm. um, in the future. But it's tough, man. And do you do you like the uh, the current situation you're in, where you have those thirty kids for an entire year, or do you think 
do you think you'd be better off like in a high school setting where you had them for a semester? I don't, I don't want to teach high school. You kids. don't want to teach high school kids. No. Um, I, as you do remember how we were in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be a tough job. It'd it's, tough it's more detached. You know, you feel like, okay, these kids are almost adults. They're doing all these things that we did when we were that age. Um, and they're already wired, you know, by that time they're like really wired. Like, me as an 18-year-old is not that much different than me as a 25-year-old. Yeah. But me as an 8-year-old to an 18-year-old, yeah. like the difference you can make in a life at that age, I think is way, way different. You know, you mm-hmm. can you can make a bigger difference at that age. But yeah, I like I coaching high school kids, which is teaching, right? But you can do a lot different things. You can be like, get out. Like, yeah. hey. Like you're, you're off the team, you know, yeah. like I've given you all these chances. Um, I love you. Come back next year. But this year, like you've, you're not, you're not, you don't want to be on our team, you know? Yeah. Well, in sports, I mean, I'm sure you have some of the same items that you use in the classroom, but when you're mm-hmm. teaching sports, it's a little different. The kids want to be there. Exactly. Right, they're not right? forced. Yeah, so and it's it's a little different. You can is. you can push them a little bit more, yeah, I imagine. Yeah, you can talk to them differently. You can yeah. be like, "Hey, what's your goal? Yeah, you know, like this is your goal. Are you acting that way? Are you working towards that? Because if you're not, I want to help you do that. But if you don't want to do it, and if you're just on this team to have have fun and be a part of a team, then awesome. Then I'll teach you. I'll treat you that way. Yeah. But every kid in the class, you know, every kid in your academic class, you have to really be like, hey you need to learn these things. Mm -hmm. Like this is what you need to learn to be moved on and learn better in seventh grade yeah, or eighth grade or whatever. But you know, they don't hold kids back anymore, you know, and they shouldn't. Um, Nobody gets held back anymore. Not unless a parent forces them to be held back. Um, You can tell me why I'm wrong. Wouldn't you want to hold them back if they just weren't quite getting something? Wouldn't you want it? Well, what are they not getting? Academic? Yeah. Right? So, but socially, how's that going to affect them? Right? So, yeah. No, um, I remember, you know, we had friends that I guess maybe it was their parents that held them back. But once mm-hmm. they, once they left our grade, yeah, I didn't associate with them anymore. Right? You they, lose all your friends. Yeah. They disappeared. Mm-hmm. Which, I can only remember one kid that I'm like, yep, that was perfect. That was really good. Mm-hmm. And he thrived. Um, it was a little short kid. Played baseball. Yeah. And we're, uh, yeah. Remember him? Yeah. And he was awesome. Well, and he was mature enough to do it, but he was they, tiny. And it was, for, it wasn't for academics, right? Cause he was, no. a, he was a, he was really high in his class too. And I think his, he was very smart. Very smart. His, and his dad was just like, you're not big enough and you're young for your grade. So we're going to hold you back. His birthday and, was in August. Yeah. 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 So yeah. he was almost a year younger than me, right? And there was yeah. another guy. Um, I just saw his birthday today. Um, and I didn't realize, like, that guy's a year younger than me. Mm-hmm. Like, on my birthday is this month, right? Yeah. Yeah, you were always the oldest. I was always the oldest, yeah. right? I was the first to have a permit, mm-hmm. first to drive, mm-hmm. everybody to Taco Bell for lunch. Um, but it's a big deal. Uh, there's a lot of studies. So the studies, and I've been, because special ed, right? There's parents that are special ed themselves, Um or, or just uh, developmentally incapable of understanding certain things. Uh, 
in the way that most people do, right? Their cognitive thinking skills or problem solving skills. And they would just say, well, just hold them back. You know, and it's like, this kid's 11. Uh, he's going to middle school. If we just held him back, it would devastate him. Like, how are you going to explain that to him? Like, parent at home, how are you going to talk to them about why they're being held back? And, and most parents can't uh, sustain the type of conversation you have to have with a kid sure. to make them feel like this was really what's best for me. And everybody loves me when you're ripping my friends away. They're going into middle school. You're going to make me stay in elementary school. Um, I've only had one student in my career be held back by parents. And they were not even like they were adopt they adopted her and she was already old for her age and she was a special ed student. So there's a criteria, right? So when you do that, it's a big deal uh, to retain a child and there's a checklist and you go through it. And if you have so many checks, it's like, absolutely not. You shouldn't do this. Uh, she had like all the checks and we should not have done it. But the parents were like, nope, we're going to do it. And we were just like, you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't do it. We had all these meetings. Um, and it might have been what was best for this kid. You know, you who knows? It's 2020 hindsight. You know mm -hmm. exactly when you go back. Um, but she was behind in every subject. She had been abused. She was a trauma student. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was difficult to see because all the research says they shouldn't be held back. The biggest thing that I think went in the favor of this kid was that they moved schools, right? So she wasn't in the same school. Right? So she she was going to have to make new friends anyway. She was, yeah. yeah. Well, they moved her because of that. Like, we're going to hold you back and we're going to move you into a different school. I guess that is better. It is better, but you look like a seventh grader and you're a fifth grader, right? So she was old for her age. She was like six inches she taller than like everybody? Already taller than everybody. You know, but who knows, you know, I, and again, going back to parents, these two parents love this child and they thought that's what was best for her. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you can't really fault them for that. No, no. So what do you think is the answer then? What, what do you do with someone who's having a tough time? who's just not quite getting it in a few areas? Do they just need more help the next year when they get into that next grade? I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. You can always work harder, right? Yeah. Um, but how do you tell a kid to go learn more math, you know? Yeah. Um, that's, that's the thing. And that's where um, the privilege comes in. Um, so I, I have a, I have a family member who, um, it's not that he can't read. It's just, he doesn't read well. I don't know if he's dyslexic. He just, reading was always tough yep. and he's a grown ass man. Yeah. Some people's brains are just different. Yeah. And you, he, he's amazing at other things in his life. Yep. He just can't read very well. Yeah. And that sucks, mm -hmm. but there's no way around it. it yeah. His brain is wired differently. It's, it's tough because nobody's great at everything, Yeah, you know, and you look at kids and some kids are really good at math and they suck at reading. Do they want to read? I don't know. Like you got to make it the weird thing about kids is like, you gotta, you gotta convince them. Right. Um, this goes back to like my true belief is almost everything is sales, right? Like you had to sell me on coming onto this thing, right? Like, Hey, whatever you said, 
was the right thing to say to mm-hmm. get me to come to this nice. uh, thing, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's the same thing with kids. You got to sell them on education. Like, this is going to be great. You're going to love this. And then they get excited and they want to learn it. And you have to prove to them that it's important or they're not going to do it. Yeah. And that's just humans, right? You have to teach them or sell them on something. It's a bad word, right? Like sell, like a salesman. It's a weird thing to yeah. think like people think salesmen are evil or they, they tricked you into something. And I trick kids into learning things every day <laughs> that I teach. And I have to because yeah. otherwise, you know, the, the default setting for kids is this is hard. I don't really want to do it. Yeah. Right? Like this is hard. Like reading is hard. Why would I do it? Well, because when you're six or five, like, reading's wonderful it's magical like look at these stories and that's your parent is selling you on reading right Mm -hmm. they're they're selling you with stories of things that you can imagine and how awesome it is and and the kid every kid wants to be smart right and smart is a destination it's not a you're not born smart no right like you, you become intelligent in certain aspects of your life you don't there's not just smart people and dumb people. Like some of the dumbest quote people I know know things that I would never understand. Yeah. Like mechanical things or things that have to do with science that I'm just like, I thought you were the dumbest person in the world. And then I realized like you can do things that I would never imagine of trying to do. You know? So like to but everybody wants to be looked at as intelligent. Well, that that puts an idea in my mind. Do you think maybe we're doing it wrong? Does oh, everybody Does everybody guaranteed. need to know algebra? Does everybody need to know? You kind of need to know how to read. Does everybody need to know history? I don't know. Like maybe, maybe there's a yeah. better way to diagnose what somebody's really good at, and then yep. you just let them do that. Oh, I guarantee you, we're not. I don't think we're doing it wrong but there's always a better way. Right. Yeah. And, uh, the problem is mass education. How do we teach 30 kids who are all individuals, the same subject sure. in the same day at the same time in their life? Right. Yeah. With the same teacher with the same, but you know, that's like everybody's different. So everybody learns at a different speed. Everybody learns. So that's the problem and the, the dichotomy of trying to be a teacher who can teach to everyone and one individual at the same time. Sure. Right. Like, how do I, I got a kid over here who's dyslexic. I have the kid over here who doesn't speak English. And I have this kid and this kid and this kid who are all ADHD. And I'm separating and putting them in all four different corners of the room. This kid is emotionally disturbed. This kid is tag, right? Like can learn anything, probably already more intelligent than I am, right? <laughs> yeah. And they've already read all this and they're like, you're yeah. so dumb, Mr. Wrong. Like, <laughs> you're teaching this all wrong. Like if yeah. I was teaching this, right? So you have all these kids and all these dynamics in one room and you're supposed to teach them this curriculum. Yeah. So that's where the parenting comes in and the privilege of parents who have time, can afford it, um, and it's generations, right? So you have generations of people and sometimes there's one generation that goes boom and rises to the top and can provide for their kids so they can educate themselves and learn all this. But, you know, when this COVID thing happened, when with school shut down, 
there were there were three kids in my homeroom class, right? My home class was 27 kids. There was three of them. Before spring break was over, their parents had enrolled them in a private school. And that is like $5,000 a term. Yeah. Right? So yeah. they can they have that ability to just say, well, we'll just put you in private school, online private school, so you don't miss out, right? So these kids go boom, boom, boom. They're, they have the privilege to have parents who can provide that, right? So this girl was super hard worker. Her mom's obviously type A, um, super involved, struggled in math, capable, but struggled, right? She needed extra help. So her mom's like, well, do I get a tutor? And I'm like, I think that would help. Yeah, a tutor. Okay. So she gets a tutor. On top of enrolling her in private school, on top of doing public school math. So this girl is doing two math classes for sixth grade and has a tutor. So that's $5,000 a term just for the math class online for the spring. I don't know how much the tutor costs, right? So that's where the, the separation happens. That's where the wealthy become wealthier. That's where you can provide for kids. And that's why, you know, like I, I think the biggest separation of education, like if you're really studying educational data, like why do these kids succeed and these kids don't? The biggest thing I would say is wealth, right? Being able to have the, have the wealth of time and the wealth of money to invest, right? That's a big term for people who are wealthy to invest into your children. Um, and if you invest in your children, you're going to get a better return, um, which is hard for teachers, you know? Like, you can see the kids that have it, and you can see the kids that don't. But sometimes they're little twerps, too, because they have everything. But that's a different story. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> Hang on one second. Because we came, we came from a... <clears throat> similar but different backgrounds, you know. Um, same type of, <clears throat> same type of, type of type of a family dynamic, dynamic, right? Like a two parent household, middle class. Um, people thought we were rich, man. Like we had a pool. People were like, "You got a pool? You got a pool?" Right? We both had pools. Yeah. Um, People would look at me like, man, you got to, like, my mom drove a Beamer for a while. Um, I'm like, my parents are teachers, both of them. Like, it wasn't, we didn't, we're not wealthy. But, no. But they could afford things because they were uh, doing things the right way, you know? Like, yeah. they also work multiple jobs, you know? Yeah. People don't know that. My mom was a, a travel agent for a couple years, you know? Like, I didn't know that. Right? And they, they ran a... <clears throat> a shuttling service on the Deschutes River for they still do this some of that stuff you know they just did little things that they never went into debt my mom was like a financial Nazi and that's how we well, had things a lot of teachers do extra things during the summer right yeah I remember a bunch of people in the Dalles would go work uh, cherries yep cherry orchard too mm -hmm. like yeah Mr. Brown uh Miss Ortega, you know, like uh, people are 
people knock teachers because they're like, we only, you don't work in the summers. And it's like, yeah, but we don't get paid for that. We don't yeah. get paid for the summer. Our, yeah. our contract is just the school year. And they're like, yeah. well, yeah, but you get paid. So you're complaining that you only get paid like $40,000 a year, but you really only work this amount. I'm like, yeah, but come into our classroom and see what we do. Like, you yeah. know, it's, it's like I was brought up Lars Larson and I like a lot of the things that guy says. But when it comes to him and public schools, he's so off base. And I want to just be like, hey, man, come in and try to teach a class for a week. For and sure. Teach them things that they don't want to learn and see how that goes and well, see yeah. how frustrating that is. I mean, you probably saw all the comments on Twitter and Facebook and whatever. People saying like they'd only been hanging out with their kids for a week yeah. trying to teach them mm-hmm. with the distance learning stuff. Yeah. And they're freaking out. They're like, yeah, I can't handle this, man. Yeah. How do teachers do this every day with, I, I have a friend and he's like, I'm rocking this, man. I, I got these two girls and he's like a stepdad to them. Um, and he was doing well. Like, he's like, I'm, I got it all structured and I got it all laid out and this one's doing coloring and I, this one's doing math and, uh, it's a bilingual school. So they're learning some Spanish and no hablo espanol, but, and, and I'm just like, <laughs> awesome, man. Awesome. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I, I feel like, uh, I'm doing a really good job. I'm like, all right, awesome. Add 28 more kids <laughs> yeah, and do the same thing. Yeah. And he's just like, uh, I don't know how you guys could do that. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's easy with two kids, right? But do 28, you know? And there's a common, uh, common thing like teachers say, and it's kind of funny, but my wife is thinking about doing like a, a, a nanny job, right? If we move to Hood River, because there's no childcare there. And there's a lot of wealthy people. And we're like, yeah, that might be a great gig for you for a year or two until you find a teaching job or a job that you want to do. Um, but she would get paid about what a teacher would get paid if she took in two kids. Two? Two. And nannied them, what, eight hours a day? Seven hours a day? Right? So the value, like we were saying, what value are you providing to society should reflect in your paycheck. But- well, Maybe it should. <clears throat> I'm not saying it should, but the other thing that would happen disproportionate for sure. The other thing that would happen is you would have an unbelievably high amount of quality teachers. Mm-hmm. That guy who taught your kids, if he was getting six figures, probably wouldn't leave that job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he well, didn't do it for the money, right? So he probably wouldn't. No. He wouldn't become a better teacher because you paid him more. Right, I don't think CEOs become better CEOs because they know they're getting bigger bonuses. You know, they do it because they like the power and they like. The yeah, they're they, driven by other things. Other things. It's not always <clears throat> money. Um, money is proven to not drive people to do what they do. But, um, it helps. It does help, and it drives you to to not do things. Right, like if you're going to lose your job because you do something, and that's going to be detrimental to your family that you're not going to do that thing to lose your job so your family didn't suffer yeah yeah i've had a dream uh i have a dream um i would love to like run a school i don't i couldn't do it right now but you want to be um, the principal in a in an imagination world and i've talked to one of my really good friends uh you know him um he grew up with us, uh, Ryan, 
Uh, he's a wrestler too. Um, he's a great teacher. He's a super hardworking guy and, and he's a, he has really good leadership skills, right? I'd love to lead a school that pays everybody in the school from the custodians, <clears throat> principals, teachers, anybody who works there six figures, right? Like, and, and it make it an elite school. Like this is an elite school. It's a private school, blah, whatever. And have it be focused on sports, like future finances, like teach kids how to actually budget. And yeah, that's money. important. Like, like how do you not teach kids how to have a good financial background? Sports, finances, and then everything else you need to learn, right? So reading, writing, all that stuff. Have it really focused on that so that parents who wanted their kids to become super successful in business or sports uh, would be drawn to it um, and then draw the best talent, right? Like we were talking about earlier. If you could get the best talent in the world, the nation, the state, your city to come and work at a place that supports kids, the impact you can make in your, in your community would be would be way bigger, right? Do you think it's possible to somehow put teachers on a scale based on merit? Is there a way to pay the teachers that aren't doing so well a lower amount and the best teacher a higher amount? Is there any way... You know what I mean? Is there? Oh, like I, know, a, I know exactly what you mean. Um, they tried to of, do that in Arizona. Uh, and my, didn't work my out. My father-in-law is a <laughs> superintendent in Arizona right now, and they do that. And there's no true way to judge that, right? Yeah. Um, what they do down there is they have the teachers set a goal for their classes and their kids, right? Um, and if they meet the goal, they get a bonus. And if they don't meet the goal, then they don't get the bonus. Well, what do you think they do? They set the goal super, super low, so they always meet it. It doesn't inspire them to work harder because teachers already work hard because they love their kids and they love their job, right? Well, you have to base it on things other than test scores as well because I think that's what happens. How do you base it on that? What else is there? At my kid's school, I think they get funding based on where they appear on uh, test scores. Mm-hmm. Um so things get catered to the direction that allows more funding to come in. Yeah. And that, like what you're saying, is not always the best route. Yeah. So test scores, right? So test, I'll tell you a story real quick. Um, we had a teacher, a Spanish teacher, right? And she had a really pretty daughter that I had a infatuation with for a little bit. Um in high school. <laughs> yeah. She was older, right? She, older girl. Like, oh my God, she's so beautiful. And she was. Um, and her, and she came up to me one time in the hallway. I think I was a junior. And she looked at me and she goes, well, Roland, if I knew you were illiterate, I would have given you a lot more slack in Spanish class. And I looked at her like, what do you mean? I don't even know what illiterate is. Like, what is that? <laughs> she's like, that means you can't read. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I can read. What are you talking about? She's like, oh. She's like, you must have just bombed that test. Did you do it on purpose? And I'm like, what test? I don't know what you're talking about. Right? So it was a test. They told us, hey, you're not graded on this. Just do your best. And I think it was like on a special day in April. And I was like, whatever. Like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to take this 
test. I'm going to go out and hang out with my friends. If, as soon as I get out of here, I get to go to the hall or go to the bathroom or whatever. Mm-hmm. First thing you do is you never tell a kid, like, this doesn't matter, right? So they told me, and I was that kid. I was like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm going to get done with this as soon as I can. It doesn't matter with my grade. Nobody's going to see it, you know? People saw it, and it said that I could not read. <laughs> Um, Your dad's a teacher at the yeah, school. Yeah, I, was, I think it was his sophomore year, right? It was uh, it was like great. one of those benchmark years where you take the state test. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it goes towards the school funding, that kind of stuff, right? But it doesn't go towards your grade in any class. So mm-hmm. I just was like, I want to be done with this. This is so dumb. There's no point, right? There's no purpose. Yeah. Um, and that's how kids feel, you know? They're yeah. like, why would I care? Why, why do I care about these bubbles on this page? Um they don't think about that. So that's where I went with that. And I was illiterate on that test, right? So you're telling a kid to take a test so their teacher can get a bonus, right? So what are teachers going to do, right? They're going to, is that what they should be teaching for, right? You're saying teach the answers to the test. Yeah. Yeah. Or cheat. Yeah. Right, there was a teacher, uh, tons of teachers in Atlanta that got caught for cheating on these state tests, so they could get more. So funny. they could get bonuses. Bonuses. All their friends, right? All their teacher colleagues, like they know it's BS. They know it's stupid. So what are they going to do? Well, for my family, I'm going to get an extra two thousand dollars a year, which is going to pay off my credit card or pay for my car or whatever, and it incentivizes not learning. But scoring high on a test, yeah, which is not learning, right? Yeah, like you, you know, there's a lot of people that we grew up with that were really smart. They scored really high on tests, but they're super dumb in life and they yeah. failed in life. Mm-hmm. And that's not what's important. So to teach kids, like what's important is learning, like learn and be a great person. So much of it is based on test scores, mm-hmm. and it's sad. Like the SAT, like there's colleges now that are like, we're not even gonna look at the SAT. We're gonna look at you as a person. Which, yeah. is, which is way harder and costs way more money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a, I'll share an article with you and you can post it with this interview or whatever, but it's, <laughs> it's the, it's a story about like blueberries, right? It's called a blueberry teacher story or something like that. And um, this businessman comes in, right? We're talking about like how school should be run as a business or there's business op- uh, officers, that run the finances of the school and the finances of a school should be run like a business, but the kids and the teachers and the day to day shit can't be, it can't be. And this guy comes in and he's like, ah, well, if, if, if we ran our business the way you run your school, we would be broke. And there's this, I don't know, I'm going to butcher this, but hopefully like I almost cried the first time I read this because I'm like, oh, that's so fucking powerful. Um, but this old teacher stands up and she's like, so you run an ice cream company, right? Like Tillamook ice cream, right? Oh, so good. Um, what, what kind of ingredients do you put in there? And he's like, only the best. Only the best ingredients come through our door and that's what we put in our ice cream. It's like, so if you have blueberry ice cream, kind of what kind of blueberries you get only the best it's like so you regulate and you make sure that only the best blueberries go into your ice cream he's like yes and she's like so 
whatever kids come through our door, we accept. Like we cannot throw blueberries out yeah. if they're not perfect. Like we have to make the best ice cream we can with the blueberries we get. And we can't, you know, we can't have, uh, can't have standards like that. Like we don't turn anybody away. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that, she says it way better, but she just like puts this guy in his place and, and he just like slumps down. And he's like, Oh, you know, we can't turn kids away. We can't no. like, we take every kid and that's. That, that, that begins to fall in line with like eugenics, you know, where if you don't meet a certain standard, we, we disappear you, yeah. you know? Yeah. And there's a lot of countries around the world that do that. Mm-hmm. And they, that's why their education looks so good. Right. So they are scoring so high on these test scores, like um, a lot of Asian countries, you exactly. know, a, lot of, yeah. a lot of communist countries or um, <clears throat> they don't, they don't let special education take tests. They don't let kids that are dyslexic do a reading test, mm-hmm. but we test everybody and we put that into the true data. Mm-hmm. Um, and people don't realize that, like, why is America uh, 33rd in in education for reading and math. And it's like, well, because we test all of our kids, you know, I don't know. I'm not against China or Japan or um, Canada or any of those schools, but I don't know if they put all those kids in there, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and we do, we put all of them in. If they can take the test, we make them take it. And some of them were like me when I was a little idiot and I just was like, burp, 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 burp. Yeah, well, and there's there's a lot of potential for things to change dramatically in the future. And I don't know if you consider this or you talk to your kids in your class about this or not, but I talk to my kids about it. Uh, when you and I were in school, the right thing to do was to go to college. That is what everybody told you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember the the financial aspect being as big of a deal as it is now. Uh, The amount of debt you go into to go to a four-year school has skyrocketed in the last 20 years, you know, from when you you did go to college and I didn't Mm -hmm. uh, versus now. So that's one thing to consider. But when you and I were in high school, that was, that was the thing you were supposed to do so that you could prepare yourself for life. You got a degree and then you were guaranteed a job. I have a degree. Yeah. I, where do I, where do I set up my stuff? Where's my desk? You know? And the thing that worries me now is that I don't know what to tell my kids. I don't, I don't tell them not to go to college. I don't tell them to go to college. I say, it is going to be a different world when you get there. Yep. There are so many jobs that it's not worth getting a degree for because we don't know what is going to disappear through automation. Uh, you have to pick the right career path and yep. the right field to go into. And a lot of it, from what I read, seems to be nursing mm-hmm. or computer science. Yep. Uh, coding, you know, writing programs for apps and other things. But there, there's so much stuff, telemarketing. Uh, there, there are so many career paths that used to be 
um, taken care of by humans that won't be yeah. in the next 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. And so it, it's, it's crazy because I don't think we know, I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen mm-hmm. and you can't anticipate what field to go into Yeah. at this point in time. The best thing for kids is, uh, teach them to be the successful adults, right? Respect, honesty, that kind of stuff. You know, the, the baseline of what you want in your friends, right? Like treat people the way you want to be treated and give them all the options that they can, um, that they can have, you know, hopefully your kids have the option to go to college if they want, Mm -hmm. um, but the idea of going to college to get a degree that you have no idea what it is, I'm just going to go to college, man. That's what I'm supposed to do. Uh, I would never support that. And I never tell any of the kids that I teach or coach that college is the way. If they're like, I'm going to college, I'd be like, awesome. What are you going to study? Well, I don't know. Okay. Make sure you get a degree, right? Don't go into debt. Well, I got to take out student loans. Okay. But they need to be educated on what that means for the rest of their life. And I think there's more information out there now than ever has been of how detrimental student loans are. Like my wife and I were sitting down right before we came. It's a racket. Uh, What has happened during this COVID pandemic for student loans, right? They stopped payment on student loans. Why did they do that? Because people can't afford it. Okay. But for me and my wife, like we're still getting paid, right? And they told everybody, we're not going to charge you interest for X amount of months, right? So we're going to stop payments. Well, they automatically stopped our automatic payments because if we paid them, and I don't know if this is their intention, but if we paid them, we were paying off all the principal, principal yeah. which means they're not getting paid. They're not getting right? that interest they, payment. Yeah. And they did that without asking us. So we had to go in today and make a payment all towards the principal to pay off, you know, her student loan mm-hmm. for this. And, and for us, it was like, well, why would you do that without asking us? You know, like maybe you should do that or you should, I don't know. It's just, it's a complicated thing for her. Cause she has two degrees, right? So, um, it's, it's expensive Yeah, and you shouldn't put yourself in financial ruin to get educated. It's a, it's a, racket now should the education be free i don't know how are you going to pay the teachers you know it goes back it's a it's a weird like i use this word dichotomy because i'm reading a book about it but it's you know you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't so educate yourself like i think we should be teaching our kids to watch youtube if they want to go down a river and they need to figure out how to do it yeah. like go figure it out yeah you know like i try to teach my kids i do a lesson every year and i put this math equation on the board and i say do that math equation and they're just like we never learned this i'm like figure it out and i don't tell them anything and they're like this is stupid but i don't you know and they and they get all pissed off and I'm like, what tools do you have? Every kid in my class has an iPad in their lap. Every kid, they carry it around with them. I'm like, you've got more information in your lap than anybody in the history of the world. Yeah. 
And what I do is I do something that if they just Google exactly what they see on the board, it gives them the answer or it shows a like three minute video of how to solve it. Mm -hmm. So all I got to do is Google it. And it's like, just figure it out. Yeah. Like, I would just want to tell them like, go Google it. Like you'll figure it out. There are so many things that, uh, that people will ask you if they think you have some sort of specialized skill on something, they'll ask you, how do you do this? All you're going to do is Google it. Yeah. If you don't know. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the whole point is like teach them how to think, right? Teach them how to think for themselves and solve the problem instead of two plus two is four. And if I don't know how to add, then I am in trouble. Right. Like, no, go teach yourself how to add. Yeah. Everything you can ever think about, not everything, but you know what I mean, is on the internet. You can teach yourself. So to teach, tell a kid like, hey, you need to go learn quantum physics at University of ABC. It's not true because those teachers are teaching classes online and they've posted it on YouTube. And you can go watch it if you really want to do it. Yeah. And sitting in a classroom and paying $1,000 a class to have a quantum physics degree doesn't mean you know more than the person that studied and really loved quantum physics and learned it on their own you know if you teach yourself something on your own right if you go to italy and you learn how to speak italian Mm -hmm. and you live there for three years you're gonna know it better than if you go to italian class yeah and for me the the best way usually to learn something is to not know how to do it try to do it and fail mm-hmm. and then i know what not to do next time yeah you get slapped man like it's, you go up to a girl and you say the wrong thing you never say that again if she slaps yeah, you you know yeah, exactly. um, and that's a bad example but it's true you know yeah. once you get beat down from something you're like oh my god like that didn't work yeah um it you gets, never forget it, it gets imprinted it in your brain it, it wires your yeah. brain to really think about how do i want to do this or how can i do it different um, but you have to have a purpose. You have to have a reason to do it. You know, teach it and say, hey, go learn math to a kid. They're like, why do I need math? You have yeah. to sell it to them of why they need it. And all kids don't need it. Mm-hmm. Like, Well, yeah. And also like cursive. Cursive writing. They still teach cursive. No, we don't. It's not a, it's not a standard anymore. At least okay. in Oregon. Okay. They, they still offer or teach or whatever yeah. at the. It's an art form. It is. It's like uh, teaching uh, calligraphy. Sure. Right? It's like, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And kids don't know how to write it. They should know how to read it, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, it is something that is kind of uh, old-fashioned, but it's a weird thing that's kind of dying, you know? Yeah. And I'll write things in cursive, and kids will be like, what the heck? What is that? I I don't think I can write anything other than my name It's kind of fun. It's kind of fun (laughs) now, you know? It is. It's like you learn and you're like, oh man, like I remember how to make an A and like Yeah. And it's more artistic. It's yeah. a beautiful like way of writing things. Um that printing or typing just doesn't have. You know, you don't have yeah. that uh and I never had good handwriting, but I could when I wanted to write cursive well, like I could flow and really write things mm-hmm. um on those little pieces of paper that had the little dashes in the middle and uh but yeah, that's pointless, right? Like, how does that help you in as an adult? How does that make you a better adult? Well, that that transitions into the way we live our lives right now. 
reading things on a screen mm-hmm. and kids still love books man they love books still most like most kids right? i'm i'm more talking about like how to understand human emotion mm-hmm. you know if you're if you're posting something on a social media site and you're just writing text it's so difficult to understand the intention behind those things yeah and it's hard to understand because we haven't you, been you doing just gotta it that use long. emojis <laughs> that that'll solve it all <laughs> solve it emoji it there's so many more emojis now than there was two years ago it's so interesting interacting with different people because everybody does it a different way it can be different based on age group it can be different based on your relationship with your parents or whatever mm-hmm. or like i'll text my son my 12 year old son and he'll respond in a way that kind of catches me off guard. Yeah. He just does it differently than I do. Yeah. He doesn't put an extra exclamation mark. You know what I mean? No. And that is a form of learning too. Yeah. Because you're not interacting. Like this is, this is why this is so cool to me. Cause I I'm sitting here talking to you. I know exactly, maybe not exactly, yeah. but I know we can lock eyeballs. Yeah. You know? and like, like things are happening. Yep. Um, when you're when you're texting somebody uh, and awaiting a response or something, you don't always get that same feeling, and that's why they, you know if you ever get in a fight with your girl or whatever, and they just you send a bunch of stuff and they just say K. Yeah. Okay. You're like, oh, or it takes man. two hours for them to yeah. just say, yeah. Then you know you're Thanks. like, oh god, yeah. what is going to happen now? Yeah, that that reflects on you more than them, right? Mm-hmm. So. Your brain is trying to fill in all that void. Yeah. Which has nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. They might have just been busy. Yeah. But you texted them at the wrong time. Yeah. Um, or they're in a crisis. Yeah. And you ask them a simple question, they didn't get back to you for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. They don't give it, you know, what's in it for them to text you back right away? Yeah. Like their pet, their dog just had a seizure, you know? Like yeah. they, <laughs> they, aren't going to respond to you right away. And and the way we interpret that is uh, more of a reflection on ourselves than, you know, the friendship or the the person that we're thinking of, I think, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Yeah. I've had a, I've had a few really, really insightful leaders who, um, you know, and you have to go back to it over and over to really keep it fresh, but to not judge people, you know, and not worry about what other people think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to, uh, as a teacher and a coach, you know, like we were talking about, but you can't dwell on it. You know, you have to march forward with who you are. And, you know, that's why we were talking about how much I admire your last guest, Shane. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, He's honest, man. He's honest with himself. He's honest with everybody else. He is who he is. And I always felt like he was kind of that way anyway. You yeah. Know? And I think that was kind of born into him. And I love that guy to death. Um, but I just admire him for how uh, he can just be like, this is who I am, man. Accept me or not. Um, he was the he was the real, you know, real Shane, Shane, Slim Shaney, Shane Shady <laughs> before it was a thing, you know. Yeah. And, and he... Uh, yeah, it's a it's a weird thing to try to interpret how other people feel, even when you're talking to them, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, but through text, 
know? That's why reading is so awesome because you get to imagine a book the way your brain imagines it. Yeah. Compared to yeah. a movie. Yeah, that's that's the argument for why the book is always better, right? Because yep. you're you're generating all those characters and yep. the scenes and everything in your own mm-hmm. mind. Yeah, like I don't know that I've ever read a book and thought the movie was better. Never have I. I, I don't think never. so. Never. And I ask students that because uh, we'll watch movies like, uh, or I'll read a book to them, and then at the end of the year we'll watch the movie, and it'll be a, like a surprise or something. You know, um, Wonder is one that I did a couple years ago. Where the kid. He's like musical? No, he's got a, a physical um, deformity. Um, and he's like in fifth grade. And he's never gone to school. And his kid, his parents like let him go to school. And he wants to go to school and he doesn't. Um, you know, one of those things that I'll admit like, man, that was like brought me to tears reading that book. The, the movie didn't, you know. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't the same, you know. You didn't attach to those kids the same way as you did when you read the book um but yeah it was a it's a great book you should read that one read it with your kids Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah they made it a movie and what people see compared to what they describe in words and then what you see in your brain and you imagine what this kid looks like right that was probably the biggest difference in all the kids in my class agreed. They're like, when you read the description of that kid, like <laughs> they were imagining like a little monster, right? Like, yeah. and, but they loved the kid. The kid had an awesome personality, but they, they described the kid in a way that is just grotesque, right? Physically. Um, and people were repulsed when they saw him. And then when you see the, the character in the movie, you're like, it's like Macaulay Culkin or something. Yeah. You know, it's like this little kid and you're like, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I feel bad for that kid or, and he's got a, he's got some things going on, but, um, nothing like you imagine when you read the book and yeah. you just, you know, your heart goes out for him and you're like, Oh my God. And you watch the movie. You're like, come on. Like, yeah, that's bad. But you know, not nothing that I could imagine yeah. in the book. But the same thing goes on when you read, Read a text message, man, you know? Yeah, and the other thing, too, is I've tried to explain to my kids is that this is something that I've had to learn over 36 years of being a human, is that you don't know what someone else is going through. Yep. Someone, like, there's there's tons of people getting canceled on the internet, and I'm not... I'm not supporting them or uh, justifying any of their actions, but you never know what just happened to somebody. Yeah. Uh, For a kid that's in school, maybe his older brother beats his ass every day before he walks to school. And then his mom gives him uh, a granola bar for lunch. Uh, Maybe he lives with his grandma and she never talks to him. Right. You never know what's going on in someone's life. And when they're at school or they're at your job or you see them at the grocery store or whatever, you got to try to be delicate with the situation because they could be going through some traumatic shit that does not reflect the current situation. It's all something else that's getting brought out right there. Exactly. 
for me, I don't know if this happens to you or not, but I could be having an amazing day and then just one text message from somebody or one email at work or my kid needs to go to the hospital. Like something can totally divert the situation and then I'm, I turn into a different person. It's, yeah. it's almost like Jekyll and Hyde, you yeah. know? Yeah. And that, that can be somebody's reality if they are dealing with some insane stuff at home. And you're an adult. Don't. And you and you react that way. So eight year old kid, you know, how do they react? Yeah. They react in you know, trauma affects you a certain ways, right? So yeah. they either shut down, shut up, act out, fight, right? So there's as an adult that's not acceptable, but yeah, how do you, how do you kid, expect a kid not to do that? Yeah, for sure. Because adults do that too, right? They do. And people snap. You get under the stress of losing mm-hmm. your job or going through a divorce or your your parents sick in the hospital or whatever. People yeah. snap. So, and there, there needs to be more forgiveness for certain situations like that. Mm-hmm. Um, people are quick to just disappear you. Yeah. You know, you you do or say the wrong thing and you're, you're done. We yeah. don't you disappear from society. We're done with you. Yep. Yeah. I have zero people in my life, um, that I've ever written off forever. Um, ex-girlfriends, friends who've betrayed me. Um, never, you know, I've forgiven them all mm-hmm. for anything. And I hope they do the same because... A good example of what we're talking about is like when you're driving, right? Road rage. People get road rage. They get pissed off um, at somebody who cut them off. And they hold it all the way to work. Yeah. And it ruins their day, right? That person might not even realize they did it. For sure. And so who who's it really affecting, right? So the way you interpret something... Um, and I still have to fight this because I know this example and I've heard it many times and I still like somebody cuts me off and flips me off and how dare you be in the fast lane and I have to pass you on the right. And I'm just like, well, I didn't even see you coming, you know, and I have to try to um, not let it affect me negatively because uh, if you do, you're the only one that's negatively affected. Yeah. Like that person might cut you off because they're trying to rush home because their grandpa needs them to bring them their prescription, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're really trying to just get home. They're doing the right thing and they, oh my gosh, and they cut you off and they go and who knows, you know, or maybe it's a terrible reason. Yeah. Or they're just an asshole driver. Mm -hmm. The only person that's going to affect is you and it's how you interpret it and it's the way you react. Yeah. Um, which I think is a weird, you know, it's a hard thing to say, but everybody goes through crappy, crappy things. You know, everybody's grandpa is going to die. Yeah. Everybody's parents are going to die. You're going to die. I'm going to die. Dogs are going to die. Terrible things are going to happen to all of us. Some more than others, but it's it's how you react to it, you know, because everybody has terrible things. 
some people react one way, some people react the other way. And you can control that. That's a weird thing. Like you can control how you react to something for the most part. Mm-hmm. And that shapes your life in a different way, but you have to be taught how to do that. You know, some people have it in them, but I had to be taught how to react to terrible drivers. You know, have you ever cut someone off on accident? Yeah. Right. So we're all terrible drivers. Mm -hmm. You know, none of us are perfect. You know, my brother gets on me all the time. Like he tells me (laughs) I'm a terrible driver and, and, you know, we race Malibu raceway. He always beats me and he's faster and he's, you know, he's a better driver. But last time I was driving with him, cut someone off on accident. And I just want to be like, "Mm, see, you do it too. Yeah. You know, but, um, and he has terrible road rage, terrible. And he, cusses people and i'm like man you're letting that person ruin your day yeah like just be like oh man that person sucks at driving right now at this moment they suck move on continue having a great conversation drive safe yeah you know but how you react you know and then going back to what you're saying about who knows what that person was going through back to testing kids and getting paid based on test scores for teachers right who knows what that kid went through the morning of the test? Yeah, for sure. So how do you base a teacher's ability on an, a kid's ability to manage life and do the best they can on a test, right? So that, yeah, that kid I, didn't have breakfast. They stayed up all night. Their parents were fighting. Yeah. Woke them up. Their grandpa died the day before. Now they're taking a test that could affect your pay as a teacher. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, how do you control that as an educator? It doesn't make sense that you try to do that. And it's it's counterproductive. It's counterintuitive because it's about learning. It's not about scoring high on a test. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, it seems like that's the only way to quantify it. And yeah. most logical people will say that's wrong. Mm-hmm. But nobody... I don't know that anybody's figured out a different way or if they have, they can't get any traction to make it happen. Well, I have a theory on that too. You want to hear it? Yeah, I do. How much money is made on public schools being forced to take multiple tests a year? I don't know. A lot. A lot, man. Like Texas, Texas Instruments or whoever's pushing those tests out. They're selling them to school districts. There's a star test it's sold to a school district. There's a the SATs. How much money is made on SAT study groups and books, right? You have a book that's produced or published. Every year there's a new edition. Yeah. Right? So money drives that testing uh, environment for schools and kids, which if we can change anything it would be to stop telling our kids you're either here 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 and this is your smart average dumb right because like we talked before there's kids that score down here that in life they rise way up for sure and there's kids that are up here like i remember a kid that was i was looking at our uh, senior year yearbook mm-hmm He's sleeping in class. They took a picture of him because they knew he was going to be the valedictorian. And he's sleeping through class. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. It's boring for him, right? Yeah. Like, why does he have to learn that? He should have been on independent study. He should have been like uh, dissecting actual cadavers or something mm-hmm. in biology class instead of cats because he has already like, he already knows everything about yeah. all those muscles and he's memorized and he has a photographic memory. But in college, like he floundered, right? Because it wasn't about how intelligent he was or his memory. It was about being successful and the things that make people successful, mm-hmm. which isn't always intelligence or how high you can score on a test. Yeah, I And everybody think, knows that. I think a lot of it is based on passion, right? Because if you enjoy something you're more willing to put in the effort to, it has to reward you personally in some mm-hmm. way. Right. Yeah. And so you yeah. have a purpose to do it. Exactly. Some people can't read, but they're really good at wrestling. Some people mm-hmm. don't know how to do math, but they can play the shit out of a guitar. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I so don't know. Why do we try to teach everybody everything? I don't know. You know? And then I, I think you should know how to add, subtract, multiply, divide. Mm-hmm. Um, think in algebraic terms right you should be able to say like two plus x equals six. Oh well four yeah I get, solve I get that, right like yeah. basic like things but most important i think you should teach kids how to think and solve their problem and and ask questions and be curious and you know think for yourself like why is it like this um, because i think when you're young you're just molded into whatever is around you you know like i listen to tupac okay well then i'm gonna try to be a gangster you know like we grew up in the 90s Mm -hmm. like the n-word wasn't a racial thing it was just what was sung in the songs that we were saying yeah you know it was a weird thing that we tried to identify in north central oregon in a tiny little town and if we were a red bandana like that was against the rules at school. Remember, like we couldn't wear colors. Yeah, it's like we're in the Dells. <laughs> like we're not gangsters. We're just yeah. trying to be. We're just trying to be like Tupac. Yeah. Um. But I don't know where I'm going with that. Yeah, the difference it. between it doesn't seem that long ago, but the difference between life and culture then versus now is insane uh, my kids and i do this thing every night where we call it questions yeah and i'll lay in the bedroom with them and they just get to ask me whatever they want yeah and hey dad tell us a story about the first girl you made out with or hey dad why is the sky blue or like whatever whatever pops in their mind they ask me and i don't know the answer to half of the things you know like the other night uh my daughter asked me what what's in toothpaste and we just went down this wormhole like when did toothpaste start like because people's teeth were jacked up forever until 80 years ago whatever and it's so cool because the stuff they asked me like i don't ever think about yeah but whenever i don't have the answer i get this out and i google it and so we always find the answer always and they said that one night a couple years ago they go hey dad uh did you ever do questions with papa che and i go no i go if i asked him a question and he didn't know the answer we didn't find out no there was no internet there was no google this is this is he didn't say hey let's drive to the library and let's look that up (laughs) yeah let's look at the card catalog and find something in that whole thing no No. we did not know the answer that was it 
and th- this is this is twenty. This is ten years, really, fifteen years. Yeah. The the amount of um, available information and available knowledge is ridiculous. You remember the first time you heard about the internet? It would have been sometime in the nineties, ninety six, ninety seven, or something. I don't remember using it. No, you know, until uh, I. I don't even remember using it in high school, really. Not much. No. It was so slow. Yeah. Um, we were in between, you know. That's a gray area of in between internet and library or books, you know. Where I remember, though, like uh, Dick Eddy, Mr. Eddy, the late Dick Eddy. He uh, it was when the same year we met, sixth grade, right? And he said... There's something called the World Wide Web. <laughs> and it is going to change the world. And he was so passionate about it. You had to listen. You know, you're like, this guy's going crazy about this thing that he's paying $3 a minute to use. Yeah. Like, that's more than long distance phone calls. Yeah. Remember when we had to pay money for a long distance phone call? Oh, yeah. Like, there's no such thing as long distance anymore. No. You can call China yeah. and it doesn't cost you anything. Yeah. Right? So it was in class and he was talking about it. He's like, Mike, I, I got this on my computer and you can do almost anything. Right? And he had the vision. He could think forward. He was a planner and he, he had this idea of what it was going to be. And he tried to explain that to us at 12 years old. And we're just like, whatever. It's like, this girl over here looks cute. And I'm going to try to pull the chair out from under her and get her attention, you know. Um, please don't write me a referral, Miss Freddy. But he knew, you know, he knew that it was a big deal. Uh, nobody else did. Nobody the, talked about the it. The people that him. did know, they're the ones who, I mean, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, uh, all the people who understood how important that could be, mm-hmm. they latched on and they made it happen. Yeah. Because Amazon came out when we were like freshmen in high school or something. Right? I don't remember the first was, time I heard about it, but yeah, he started he started selling books out of his garage yeah. in like 94, 95. Yeah. It was like, yeah, we were in middle school. Like yeah. it was, uh, it was not, it was just a book. It was just a library where you bought books. That's all Amazon was. It's crazy. It's, yeah. It's absolutely insane, man. Yeah. Turned it into the, the Big biggest. Big thinkers, you know? Yeah. And it's people who get passionate, like you're saying. like, And they might, there's a lot of people who we look at and we're like, that guy's a genius. And it's like, no, they were just obsessed with something for mm-hmm. two years and they just dove all in mm-hmm. as, as hard as they could. And that's all they thought about for two years. Um, and they change the world, you know, but on the other side of that is like, those people are infatuated with power or success or financial gain. You're fascinated with growing children and teaching them how to wrestle. Yeah. But if, if I could make a million dollars doing it, I would do it. Yeah. But that's your, (laughs) your mind goes a different direction. Yeah. If your mind was set on selling books on the internet, you could do the same thing. It's just, you don't care as much about squeezing profits out of humans. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, there, there's a lot of people who say, uh, oh, Bezos has $170 billion. Why doesn't he why doesn't he help poor people not be in poverty anymore? Yeah. He's that rich because that's what he thinks about. Yeah. He doesn't think about poor people. Yeah. He thinks about making as much money as he possibly can. Maybe. That's why he's the richest person in the world. But who knows, right? Like, do you know what he thinks about? No. Here's the thing, like I've learned and I've listened and I've I've gone all the way capitalism and I've gone, you know, all the way living in a tent and I've thought about all that stuff. Um, a lot of people see it differently, you know. If you read Rich Dad Poor Dad, I would highly recommend it if you haven't. Anybody uh, needs to read that book because it'll change your financial life, guaranteed. Um, if you read that book, people who make a lot of money see things different right mm -hmm. if you are jeff bezos you're helping everybody who has a job at amazon right sure everybody who works for you you are enriching their life sure even if it's a crappy job you're they have a job because of you mm -hmm. isn't that honorable yes i see what you're saying i don't think he views it that way I think he has to justify what he does you think so? in some way to make it okay to have that much money in the bank, you know? I I don't think you get that rich and then you worry about being rich anymore. Because no. it's not like he he lives the same lifestyle having a hundred million dollars as he does having a hundred and seventy billion dollars. Well, it, it's, it's just how a much number. different could it be exactly like, it's just an, it's just a number yeah. it doesn't matter after a certain amount mm -hmm. you still have your your mansion and your cars or whatever yeah. it's not like he's gonna buy if you have three corvettes 300 corvettes isn't gonna make you happier you <laughs> exactly. know what i mean it's like yeah. it's a depreciating value you yeah. know it's a, but the only person i've seen that really just kind of lives in the same house and still is worth you know Billions and billions of dollars is Warren Buffett. Yeah. He yeah, still drives, he drives himself to work, still stops at McDonald's, mm -hmm. you know, like. Yeah, he's got, he's got just like a regular $200,000 house in Omaha or something, right? Yeah, same house he's living in for 50 years yeah. or whatever. Um, but yeah, man, if I could squeeze out money and people would pay me uh, $100 for every kid that I would coach, um, the way that I would justify it, because that's how humans do it, right? They justify their actions, even if they're serial killers or, you know, nuns that try to do the best they can. Mother Teresa or whoever. Um, I would do it, you know? Like, I'd be like, yeah, I'll teach your kid wrestling. And that would make me feel better, which would give my son more opportunities, you know? If I can afford to send him to private school when the next pandemic happens, I'm going to do it. Because that's going to benefit him in the future. It's yeah. going to give him more options. Yeah. Does he want to go to college? You can if you want. Do you want to start a business at 18? You can if you want. You want to have a tutor over here or a mentor over here or all these people that I've met throughout my life who will help you? Do it. You know, I want to give you as many options as you can. I think the best thing we could do for our kids is to give them as many possible options as they can to be successful. Yeah. And surround them by successful people that they want to be like. Uh, because we can't tell them who they should be, you know, like we can try. Yeah. You know, no, you got, you got to let them figure it out. Yeah. You, if you try, I mean, it's, it's the same story. Like, uh, if, if somebody's 
father was way into baseball and mm-hmm. they just pushed their kid to to be a baseball player and the kid didn't really care that much. Yeah. The person is not going to develop into who the dad wants them to be. Yeah. You got to give them the options and let them figure it out because they're going to do what they want to do anyway. Yeah. I don't know if you know this. I'm going to bring somebody something up from the past about you and baseball and me. And Coach Little? Not Coach <laughs> I love that guy. Um, how did you always get hits off me? I think if did you, I get hits off if, you? If you go back, yeah. You were like my most feared batter. Um, and I, I always got, looked at you. I never got hits off anybody. You, you batted left-handed, right? No. No? No. I was always righty. I did you switch swung, it, but not in a game. So you swung the bat like, I imagine, and I remember you swinging the bat like King Griffey Jr. And he always batted left-handed. But you always had like a super, like, it seemed like you were like not even trying swinging the bat. And I know you're not like a big, like, oh, I was an athlete. But every time I remember pitching at you, and I thought I was a good pitcher, right? And I could throw the ball hard before I hurt my shoulders. But... I would throw. I would just like you stood up there every time, like you were just gonna rock my world. And the last time I think I remember it was probably fourteen-year-old Babe Ruth, right? Uh-huh. And I was just like, ah, oh, Cody Farger was catching, and I was pitching, you know. And we were dominating, whatever. And then I look over, and you're in the batter's box. And I'm like, oh my god, like this guy's gonna get a hit off me again. And every, I can remember, it seemed like every time I pitched to you, you got a hit off me. I just. This must have been like you were on Pepsi, right? Weren't you, did you have a blue Pepsi jersey? Pepsi or ECE. Mm-hmm. I don't know and what I, ECE even says. Uh, one, one year we won the championship. I think we were Dave's hometown pizza. And we had green uniforms. Yes. Uh I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a baseball player and I thought if I tried hard enough, I could do it. And then I reached, I peaked probably around this time. And then it was just downhill after that. And I realized it wasn't where my life was going to go. And then, uh, that, that year that I don't think you played on that team. Cause you were probably wrestling. I think it was our freshman year. And Little was our baseball coach. I played on that team. Did you play on that team? Yeah, freshman okay. freshman baseball. That's the last year I got to play. That was last year I played too. Yeah. And he, that guy was like 7'2", yeah. 340 pounds. He actually played professional football, right? Yeah. Yeah? yeah? He was, he, do you he was on the Rams. He was on the Rams. Well, he made it to like the last cut. He got like a uh, – I don't know how they did it back then, but I'm, I'm – I'm going to butcher it, but I'm sure he, he got like a, a contract, right? And then he didn't make it. Um, he make, he got cut. So I think they like take the contract away, but they give you like the guaranteed money or whatever you get. So so he didn't play a real professional game, but he was actually, he was on yeah. the Rams. Yeah. That, like, yeah. Their practice squad or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. But he Big, was, bad. he was enormous. Oh my God. And he knew nothing about baseball. Yeah. He was a pitcher. That's all he did. He became our coach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, I remember. Uh, and he I remember, like, come on, play hard. <laughs> I was so happy to have him as our coach, but I don't think he taught us anything. No. Because there was nothing for him to teach us. No. But, dude, I remember vividly playing this doubleheader at Quentin Street. 
And the pitcher was right-handed. And so from the stretch, they were facing third base. Mm -hmm. And I was leading off at third base. And I got way too far. And he was third base coach. And he he saw that the guy was coming to pick me. And get back, get back, Maxwell. And threw it. The guy tagged me out for the end of the inning. He's like, you got picked off at third base. What is wrong with you, man? So the game finishes. Same pitcher, second game, I get back on third base again. And he's like, all right, don't, we're not going to let this happen like last time, right? And I'm like, no, of course not. I'm not going to get picked off twice and from third base. Are you kidding me? And I got off just a little bit too far. And the pitcher threw it over there. Got me out on third base again. He was so mad at me, man. He's like, how do you get picked off at third base twice? Come on, man. Come on. What is wrong with you? And he had this big husky voice and Maxwell. Did you ever have a? Did you ever have PE with him? Yeah. Oh man, we played some gnarly dodgeball games back when you could just and he could throw the ball so hard. He played with us, and uh, I don't know why, but there was I think I was a sophomore, maybe a freshman. It was probably weight training. Yeah. I, I mean, high school was a joke, you know. Like I took the easiest classes and. Loved it. It was awesome. But he would throw them, those volleyballs with tape around them mm-hmm. as hard as he could. And there were seniors in there, you know. It was sophomore year because, yeah, there was these uh, yeah seniors and he would just hang them. <laughs> and I was like, I'm being on little, I'm going to try to build myself. Yeah. yeah. He was so huge, man. I'm he still was... in contact with him, man. Oh, really? Uh, I talked to him probably four times a year really yeah text him every once in a while do you know father's day really yeah do you know how old he was when he was our coach he was like late 20s late 20s yeah wow yeah he uh because he came in um the reason he moved there was to be a football coach Mm -hmm. um i think and he got a teaching job and he only had one kid at that time um his oldest daughter and we became really like friends with their family. Mm-hmm. We're still really close. Awesome dad, man. Like, yeah, he just super supportive. Um, he got really sick, man. He uh, he's had double lung transplants. What? Yeah, yeah. Whoa! They took both out, mm-hmm. put new ones in, and you know how big he took is, right? those out again. No, 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 no. Just double, one time. Double. double yeah. They Two, took both out and put yeah, yeah. new lungs yeah, in. Yeah. What so, was wrong with his lungs? So he was super intense, right? Like football, you never played football with us, but he would come in and he would start screaming at us. And um, that was his sport, you know, and he was tough with his nails and he would just yell at us like a football coach should. And, and we would just be like, yeah, and we'd get all pumped up and, Pretty soon he'd be like on a knee and then sitting down and he'd be gasping for air and he'd like crawl over and he'd be like, <gasps> and he couldn't breathe. And we're just like, what in the world is wrong with this guy? Like he was like, he, I remember one time he came through and he threw the door open of the locker room at, it was at Quinn Street, right? That's where we played football too. And, and it like knocked over the head coach and he like knocked backwards and he like almost fell down and he looked over and little screaming as soon as he comes through the door yelling at us and and we're all just like stunned and then inspired and by the time like i said he was done he was on a knee and like crawling over the side and we're just like that's weird like we're still inspired but 
happened to but him? Well, he was laying you know? on the ground and he thought he had asthma and his yeah. whole life he was told he had asthma. Um, but he had this weird, rare lung disease that like was de- uh, deteriorating his lungs over time. Um, wow. It was like 10 years ago, like they told him like, uh, you need to get on a donor list. And he's, like you said, he's, I think he's 6'8". He's right? big. Massive. Where do they find lungs that big? That's the problem. He couldn't, they couldn't find him. And it didn't matter how high he was on the donor list because they couldn't find somebody that big with that big of lungs that would donate their tissue or organs to him. Um, they should have just put three regular. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm a three-lunger. Um, no. my smoking lung. Yeah. But he, uh, yeah, man, it was weird. Like for two years, he was like ready to die. And he kind of accepted like my life's been awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm going to enjoy the rest of it. And he's still that way. He's still just like, it's all good, brother. Like, remember That's he's like, go, it's man. all good. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Rolling. Um, I see him every year at the state tournament. Uh, his kids wrestled. So um, I would always see him there. And he's super supportive. He's out in Culver now, which is out by uh, like going to the Cove Palisades. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's, yeah, man, he, I think he was the AD. But he is just living life, man. He's like, I'm still alive. That's all he's like says. And that's, dude, yeah. that's the way you got to go. Yeah. Um, you don't know what's going to happen. My my sister has a really close friend who uh, the other day just got in a car wreck and died. Mm. She was like 31. It yeah. just, it can be over any second. Right. You get lung cancer or have yeah. a lung issue or whatever. You get in a car wreck. It's a weird thing, right? It's like, I want to live so crazy, but I want to live as long as I can. Mm-hmm. Like, I got to experience all those fun things. You know, I want to try everything. But I don't because I want to live as long as mm-hmm. I can. You know, it's like a weird, like, I well, look at my grandpa, he's he's 91. He was born. So my son was born on my grandpa's birthday, right? February 17th. Um, my grandpa's 90th birthday. So my grandpa came on his birthday and met his great grandson who was cool. born that day, right? So uh, my son has his his, uh, his name as his middle name. Um, and I vastly my grandpa many times like what's the what's the secret man like you still hunt elk with us you still drive seriously you still he goes out and shoots a gun with you guys oh yeah you still butcher elk with us like you are still like the the leader of our family on our my dad's side it's my dad's dad and he uh he's just a badass old man Mm -hmm. he still makes knives he still does all these things he still has cherry or uh, uh, apple trees in his yard and he makes applesauce and he made my wife and i pancakes the other day you know like come down i'll we'll make you pancakes you know um awesome old dude and it's like what's the secret you're not clean living you know clean living i worked hard and he just was you know straight laced didn't sp- I think he smoked a little bit, but not much. He was in Korean War when they used to give free cigarettes to, you know, troops. Oh, yeah. Everybody smoked back yeah. then. And he didn't. Like, he was like, no, oh, I tried it, but I didn't want it. And then... They told people it was good for you back yeah, then. it's good for you, man. Strengthen, strengthens your lungs. You got you to gotta work your muscles out to get them stronger, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, work your lungs out. Make them stronger. Um, but I wonder, you know, 
did he miss out on a lot of things because he was so straight laced? You know, I look at my dad. My dad is like a, he's still straight laced. Like I try to offer him certain things and he still is like, nah, I'm good. I'm like, dad, you're 65. You just turned 65. And I'm like, you're 65. Like it's time to loosen up. Like you've lived a long time. And he's like, man. But I wonder, like, have you missed out? Because I did a lot of things, you know, but am I going to die young? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Who knows, you know? Yeah, you could argue it either way. My opinion is you should try things and experience them. Yeah. Uh, I would rather, and this might sound stupid to say, I'd rather do 100 years of life in 40 years Yeah. than live 100 and not do those things. Yeah. But... Because when you're 70... You can't do those things anymore. You can't jump off cliffs. You can't skydive. I mean, you can. A 105-year-old dude just skydive. But yeah, man. I don't know. It's a weird thing, you know? It is a weird thing. And the the older I get, the more I think about it. It's like, I don't have that much time. And I don't want to die. I got kids to take care of and stuff. But I also have a bunch of stuff I want to do. And I'm going to do it. You know, I want to hang out with you and drink whiskey. Yeah. That's not good for me, but I'm no, going to do it anyway. Right? Yeah. And how many great stories do you have? Like, I was thinking of the story, right? Yeah. And they're all based on bad things. Like, well, <laughs> we did these stupid things, but we had such a great story, man. Yeah. Um, Like, remember Denny's? Yeah. After homecoming? Yeah, no, I do. I, I was going to bring it up with Irvin, and I forgot <laughs> about that. <laughs> it was you, me, Irvin, and Farger, right? There were four of us, There's and it was definitely us. me, you, and Irvin. I, I think it was probably Farger was mm-hmm. the fourth. Yeah. And we couldn't order. <laughs> the waitress looked at us like we were insane yeah. because we were laughing so hard. Yeah. And Irvin was saying things, of course. He was like, your mama is so fat. Can I get an enchilada? <laughs> you're just like, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. Uh but those times wouldn't have happened yeah. if we didn't do the things we did yeah. at the dance. Yeah. Or before the dance or after or whatever we did. Yeah. You remember, like, we vowed, like, we're going to do this every year at homecoming. And of course, you know, like, when you're 15 years old, it doesn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. Whatever, but I think we were soft. Was that freshman or sophomore year? One or the other, yeah. It was sophomore year. Because freshman year, I went with this girl that was a sophomore and... We rode in the back of, didn't you have a pickup truck? Yeah. Yeah, we rode in the, I don't know why we rode in the back, but I remember riding in the back. Because there was, there was only two seats in the front. Yeah, I guess so, right? Yeah. Yeah, dude. I I, I felt bad after he came on on the last one and I kind of shit all over the Dalles. And I kind of made it sound like there was nothing to do other than drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And that's not true. No. That's just what I chose to do. Yeah. <laughs> But it was fun, and I don't, I don't regret any of it, man. I uh, like I said to him, I'm glad I didn't die. I'm glad I didn't kill anybody. But it was fun. It was all. There's a reason they call it the dirty. <laughs> it's uh, true. We chased girls. You know, one of my best friends was a Mormon, so he didn't do any of that stuff. You know, mm-hmm. and I hung out with him a lot. Uh, my other friend was a big blonde-haired, you know, fullback, and. He did, he just drank. Um, I was always in between, you know. I was, mm-hmm. I was hanging out with 
everybody. You know, if you, if you remember, like I would come hang out with hacky sack playing dudes, but I was obviously a jock. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the adults thought I was like super straight laced to the point where they like nominated me to like teach a class to sixth graders <laughs> to not do drugs or alcohol. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> Don't laugh. Um, but yeah, like I was teaching middle school kids as a senior to not do things that I was like, mm, maybe you should try it and see for yourself. You know? mm-hmm. um, but I could always put that face on, you know, it was weird. I always had parents who I had to hide everything from, mm-hmm. even though they knew everything I was doing. Um, and then it was weird. I walked that tightrope all the way through. that was the cool thing about our class and maybe this is just my opinion but like we had all the cliques there were jocks and goths people and uh druggies and like all the normal cliques that you'd see in like some high school movie yeah but i knew who everybody was i knew Mm -hmm. everybody's name i didn't hate anybody i didn't hang out with everybody but like i was cool with everyone yeah and I meet a lot of people that went to high schools and they only knew like 10 people. Yeah. And there's like 400 people they didn't know. And I'm like, really? You didn't know that person's name or that person? Like I knew everyone in our class. Or you never went back and said, hey, we used to be like best friends in second grade. Like, shouldn't we still talk and be friends? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I always felt like there was like, you know, a click of five here, a click of five here. There was always like one person in that click that was like, didn't like everybody yeah but the other four people were like oh yeah they're cool like, yeah oh they they're artsy but they're fun you know like i still have these things in common yeah and i don't know what it was i feel like when we went through the dows um our parents were more involved and thoughtful and they wanted to be friends even if they didn't like each other mm-hmm. they knew that they had to be involved in little league and I know that's happening again. And I have friends, right, our age that are back in that community and doing those things. And I just, I just hope that they can keep it going because that town has grown, but not in all the best ways, you know? Like when I look at the parks and the baseball fields mm-hmm. and then I compare them to Hood River, like the elementary parks, like, you go outside Colonel Wright Elementary, you look at the field, you're like, nobody's taking care of that thing in a well, year. Like, what well, is going on there? What right? about Quentin? Quentin was always, like, top notch. It was pristine, right, yeah. at a time, but... Not anymore? I don't know. I haven't... Honestly, I haven't looked at it, and it's called Bob Williams Field now. Mm-hmm. Um, people think... Like, it's, like, Quentin Street Ballpark, Bob Williams Field. Um, but people don't have the pride in... The parks and the schools like they do in other communities that's Mm -hmm. one of the first things and the most exciting things i saw when i went to hood river and compared it to what we grew up with and when i drive around because i've been looking at buying a house in the dallas too but you drive by the schools and it's like summer break you drive by the schools in hood river and they're fields and everything are still green and nice and cut and no weeds and um they've invested into that which says something about the community i don't know exactly what it means but 
it says something, you know? Yeah. And that's what, if you want to thrive, you got to support your schools. You got to have nice things in your community where people can go hang out. Um, and the Dallas has certain things like that, but. Um, it seems like it's grown. And we, I talked about this a little bit with Irvin. It seems like it's grown in terms of boutique businesses and breweries and yep. those types of things. Like it was very you like generic it? when you and I were there. Yep. And now it seems more like, like it's trying to be little Portland a little bit. You know what I mean? Like there's just, mm-hmm. there's little things popping up yeah. where, uh, it gives a little bit of definition, you know? And back in the day, it was like, we got a Wendy's, we got a McDonald's, we got a Burger King. There's a vacuum store, LeBreton shoes, you know, stuff like that. JC Penny. JC Penny. There were Spookies, you know? Spookies. Uh, BJ's is what it was called. Uh, PHO's Pizza. No, dude. Uh There's Uh, still one in Hood River. Yep. Yeah. Haven't been there. Um, But it was, it was a, it was a dry, windy little town. With a lot of uh, people from the hills, you know, people from the outskirts, um, a lot of weird people, you know. It's dirty. <laughs> it's a very diplomatic it's, way of saying it's, it. Uh, I remember one time, and uh, I'm not gonna get. We can talk about it off the air or whatever. But I went downtown with my friends, and we were juniors or seniors, and it was like a a downtown summer party block party and they shut down downtown like second street the whole second street was shut down this is in high school yeah and we went down there and uh you know i was doing whatever i was doing my it was my mormon friend you probably remember (laughs) great guy love him to death wish i could hang out with him more um and he was kind of driving us around because you know he was sober and we went down there just to see what was going on and to kind of like, like, let's go down there. There's a bunch of people down there. And of course, like all the, the migrant workers are down there. I saw some people I work with. Awesome. Tried to speak Spanish to them. They were like, mm, whatever. We don't like you, gringo. Um, but I was looking around and my perspective might have been a little off, but I was just like, looking around like, there's a lot of weird people like walking around, like a lot of... Uh, just different people, you know, like for lack of better words, like low, low income, um, kind of trashy looking people. And that's the first time I remember look like looking around the Dallas and being like, this is a weird place. Like there's not a lot of wealth generated here. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, uh, people in need, a lot of drugs, a lot of, uh, a lot of people who, you know, are doing their best, but look terrible, mm-hmm. you know, obese, um, dirty, you know, they've been wearing the same shoes for five years or yeah. whatever. And, and I wasn't trying to be righteous or, and I'm still not, hopefully people don't take it that way. But I was just like, what in the world is going on in this town? You know? And it's the first time like I felt that way. And I was not until I was 16, 17 years old. Like, you, as a you, kid, you don't realize it. Yeah, I was going to say, you you remember having that feeling when you were still in high school? Mm-hmm. See, I don't, I didn't, I don't remember f- understanding that it was different than regular life. Yeah. 
until my twenties. Yeah. Cause you're, yeah, you're right. Like when you're a kid, it is, it, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. You don't understand. Like you grow up in Dubai with a mm-hmm. bunch of rich people and it is what it is. You yeah. grow up in Michigan. It is what yeah. it is, you know, but yeah, in, in that community, I don't think there's any rich people in the Dallas, you know, not, not really. I mean, most people are kind of, there's yep. super poor people mm-hmm. and then there's like middle-class people yep. and that's basically it. There's, but yeah, you don't, you don't have any Lake Oswego houses, you know? Yeah. Like you do, you have a few that are like, wow, that's a mansion. But you're like, you look at, have you ever been on the lake? Have you ever been on Lake Oswego? I've been on Zillow and I've seen Portland Trailblazer houses. Yeah. Well, Trailblazers can't even afford these houses, right? Like, <laughs> I'm serious. Like, if you go on the lake of Lake Oswego, nothing like that. Yeah. East of Hood River. Hood River has that stuff, right? Yeah. So it's it's a weird thing. Like, Mosier now has that. Oh, yeah. Like, that would have been the gold mine. If you would have bought Mosier, like, as much of Mosier as you can. 20 you years ago? If you'd yeah. had a million dollars 20 years ago and bought a million dollars of good real estate and that in between um but it's eking and it's creeping towards the house and that's why i think you see this prospering and you see people the population is growing you see these businesses growing you see breweries going east um that way it's eking and it's it's yeah it's it's starting to get that way mm-hmm. and um i don't know you know you lose you lose some of the culture i don't know if it's better but it's change that's going to happen. It's really weird to me because I used to go back when, when we first got out of high school and I left town, I used to go back there. Isn't it weird the first time you come back and you don't live there anymore? I used to go there 10, 20 times a year. And now I go once, maybe twice. Yeah. And every time I go there, the, the main thing I like to do is just drive around yeah. for like an hour, mm-hmm. hour and a half and just look at stuff yeah. and I'll pass a house and I'll be like, Oh my God, I remember when I drank a beer on that porch yeah. or I made out with this girl right there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And our, everything's so different. Yeah. And to just witness that time that has passed and, and refresh my memories. It's so insane. Yeah. Well, imagine like my dad, right? My dad grew up there. Oh, I didn't know that. He's lived there yeah. for 65 years. Well, I think he moved there when he was a little kid. Um, I think he was born in Klamath Falls. And then he moved there, um, I don't know, in 60, uh, 1960 or something like that. That has um, got to be significant right? so he, change. He played baseball at Quentin Street. He went to the same high school. Went to the same high school. They have not. I can't believe they haven't ripped that down and built a new one yeah like they did a middle school remember our middle school i wish that the middle school did you ever go there when they were tearing it down i watched it from uh a girl that we know's roof uh-huh. i was like at their house cleaning their gutters on their roof and they were demolishing the middle school they yeah. they, had, they just bought a house like above it and um it was sad and kind of like it was awesome sad, at dude. the same time it's it like was yeah tear that thing down <laughs> you know and then it was like wow that's like oh, memories in history you know yeah um, that was a very unique school with the different buildings and the walkways terrible. in between it was a terrible oh, it was a school. piece of shit man terrible. but but that's kind of what we grew up with. like we didn't realize it yeah but the craziest thing about that school was that gym 
Like you remember how big that gym oh, yeah. was? It was huge, humongous. Mm-hmm. You could do like you could have like three basketball games going on mm-hmm. in there at the same time. For a middle school, that was unheard of. Um, huge dome, right? It was like a dome. Yeah. Um, crazy, crazy memories, you know. Start flooding back, but it's a it's a different town, and I think one of the reasons. And I got into this with uh, Ryan, the guy we were talking about earlier, who we grew up with, who's my brother's age and wrestled with me and I coached with him. But um, if you read the history of that town, right, nobody ever stayed there. Like when people were going through on the on the Oregon Trail, yeah. it, was a, it was a hub for people passing through. And the people that were trying to stay there were like uh, – swindlers right there mm-hmm. were people who were like trying to take advantage of all these idiots that were passing through on the Oregon trail sure um and they were none of them were stationary they were like we're gonna be here for two months for the flow of people coming through we're gonna set up a shop make as much money as we can and we're gonna leave so the people that actually stayed there and like started developing families like this is just my theory i don't know i read like <laughs> they're criminals yeah well yeah i think it, like, <laughs> they were like gypsies and criminals yeah. and like people that were like um okay with you know that kind of life yeah and they bought property and they tried to establish it and that town burned down multiple times like the whole downtown just whoosh, fire right i didn't know that burned the whole downtown down multiple times at least twice um there's a book Written by the um, Clint's bookstore, uh-huh. the guy that, or the woman, the family, whoever it was, one of them wrote a book about the Dows. Oh um, man, I want to read that. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you. It's a, it's interesting, man. Like only road, like that was a dude. Like only. Oh yeah, I'm sure all up, those roads were. Yeah, yeah. He set up like a like a his house at the bottom of Mill Creek, Mill Creek or or. Uh, Tonka Creek, one of those creeks. And he, you know, he had a little store, you know, like it was, it goes into all these things. So it was either military in that area, Native Americans, or people who were religious trying to change everybody to be in their religion. Or it was the swindlers and thieves, right? So they were swindling and thieving the people who were religion, right? They were trying to pull those people into their bad ways yeah and the people it, it was just like this big fight over who was gonna stay there yeah and you know um the massacre the what was that family they got massacred on the way they bought a bunch of uh oh on the oregon trail uh the donner the, the no, donner the, uh oh can't remember but there was a family that got massacred on the way to try to get to the Dalles and they bought, they had tried to buy people or not people. They had to try to buy property there. Um, oh, I can't remember. Whitman's? No. Whitman's maybe. You, 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 Somebody will look it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there, it, anyway, it was a famous massacre that all these Native Americans massacred these people. I don't know if they deserved it or not, but um it's got so much history, man, and, and none of it's none well, of it's real good, you know. It's yeah, like, I mean, uh, that people started in the Missouri area, right? Mm-hmm. And they traveled for six months plus, whatever, through the harshest conditions 
to make it to Oregon. Mm -hmm. And then when they got to the Dalles, they either went up the mountain behind uh, Mount Hood, which is the Barlow Trail, which my ex, Carly, her somehow her relatives were part of that. Her last name was Barlow. Uh, They either went up that route Mm -hmm. or they built a fucking raft and went down the Columbia. Yep. Right? That I mean, people, nobody, like you said, nobody stayed. It was a hub. There was a hub to the next Mm -hmm. spot, and they wanted to make it to Portland somehow or back behind Mount Hood. Yep. And so. Well, that was just another way to get to Portland or go down the Willamette Valley to mm -hmm. where there was, you know, uh, farmland in the valley where they could set up a homestead and create their life. But It's interesting, though, because the Dallas is not that bad. There's four distinct seasons. Mm-hmm. You can grow things. Yep. It's beautiful. There's a lot a going valley, on. You know, it's not a valley, though. It's not a valley. Um, it was a it was a military outpost, you mm-hmm. know, for the most part. Um, yeah. And people just passed through, man. It was a bunch of transients. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, cause if you can think of a town that housed all these people that you were just transients or military right military people are transient Mm -hmm. in general yeah um they're stationed here stationed there they move their family around all men back then for the military right uh they had fort dallas um yeah or they're native americans which were treated terribly back then well they they were were religious yeah um and they the big catholic uh, church downtown, right? They mm-hmm. had a big building across from the street from the Catholic Church that um, housed a bunch of people. And they would they would try to get all these Native Americans to come and and listen to them. You talking about the one that's by the gas station that I worked at? Yes, right behind that. Yep, there was yeah. a big building there, mm-hmm. um, Pulpit Rock, right? They would yeah. preach from Pulpit Rock and try to get Native Americans to come and convert to whatever they were. Whatever religion. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was Catholicism, but I think that had something to do with it. And then, you know, in that book, they just basically say, like, they would just come, act like they listened, and get the free food, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they just wanted the food. Um, and they would say, yes, 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 we believe, we believe, we believe. Give me the food. Take it back to the family. <laughs> right? Wouldn't you do that? I would do that. Pra- praise Lord Jesus. Yes. Oh, Can I yes, have some bread? I am Christian now. Give me some food. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, it's a crazy town, man. And it's just, it's so beautiful. And like you said, I never realized how beautiful it was until I came back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we grew up we we grew up in a national scenic area, right? Like you go to any cliff on the Dallas, you look out, you're like, wow. Yeah. Like there's Mount Adams. Yeah. There's Mount Hood behind me. There's the Columbia River. This is a beautiful place. But you know, when I would drive into Portland as a kid, like I loved cars, you know, at a time I was like, wow, there's a BMW, you know, there's a, there's a Mercedes. I see those in rap videos. Um, <laughs> and we didn't have those in the Dallas, you know, we didn't yeah. have nice cars. Um, and if somebody had a nice car, everybody knew who it was, you know, it yeah. was a, that's the type of community we grew up in. And and you go there still and you look around and you're like, wow, there's a lot of old farm trucks and like old cars that you see in the ghetto of Gresham mm-hmm. or Portland or, you know, and that's just the same type of cars that are 
everywhere in the Dallas. Well, and the other thing too is like, I don't remember ever feeling any sort of political, uh, absorbing any sort of political anything from anybody. No. And that, that is a very red Republican farmer town, which it's the, it's the border, you know, like Hood River. The city of Hood River is very liberal, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe financially conservative, right? Because there's wealthy people there. But they march. They're still protesting, right? Downtown mm-hmm. Hood River. You yeah. just drove through there last week. They're still protesting. Whether it's right or wrong. As soon as you go... And the weather changes too, right? So as soon as the weather changes... The political ideals change and the ideas. So you get to Mosier. Who knows what Mosier is, right? Mosier's right in the middle. It's halfway between Hood River. Well, it's five miles east of Hood River. Mm-hmm. You go 15 more miles, you're at the Dallas. Dallas is like Eastern Oregon, right? But it's starting to become more like the West, the city is starting to push into the Dallas, mm-hmm. which is making it grow, which is making people want to move there, which is supporting business, right? Yes. But it's also making people angry because they feel like- A lot like, of locals, right? Yeah, for sure. Same thing in Hood River, right? Yeah. South, South Hood River, Odell Parkdale is very Republican, idealistic, right? And I don't want to make like red, blue, white, black, yellow, red, whatever, you know, but it's more conservative thinking. Farmers, you know, people who are like, don't tread on me. I don't want that. You know, don't make my choices for me. Um, the older I get, the more, the more I understand where everybody's coming from. Yeah. Yeah. You just don't, you don't recognize those things when you're a kid growing up there. And I don't know if it's true because I was a kid 20 years ago, but like, it just seems everything is so politicized now and it, it's extreme it's very extreme right? and it sucks and it i wish shouldn't be. no I, I wish people could just have conversations about things and it didn't every single item that comes up on a facebook post or on instagram or in the news or uh, anywhere it, mm-hmm. it there's it's red or it's blue yep and there's no there's no room there's for no nuance. Purpose. No, there's nothing in between. And it's it's so disappointing. You can't have a conversation with anybody yeah. without them instantly labeling you one or the other. Yep. There's a lot of people who are not one or the other. Yeah. There's a lot of people in between who just want to yeah. raise their kids and have a good time. Do the best for their family yeah. and, and make money and live happy. And Yeah. Um, it's a weird thing. And politics are hard to talk about because... You have to be open-minded, you know? Mm-hmm. And if anything, and this is going to sound like I'm trying to be like wise or whatever, but you got to seek to understand people before you seek to be right. You know, you got to try to, hey, why do they think that way? You know, why does a racist, homophobic person feel that way? Mm-hmm. There's a reason, right? Yeah. You just can't like shut them out and be like, I'm not going to talk to this guy. Yeah. It's like, ask him questions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause the, the more you fight someone, the more ingrained in their position they become. Yeah. You can't, you know, you can't if, change people's mind. No. With if you, if abrasive, you know, conversations. No. If you're, if you're talking to somebody who is a hardcore Trump supporter, 
you're not going to sway their opinion by yeah. telling them they're stupid. No. That it's not how it works. And the other thing is if you really talk to them and I would I would try to uh, promote this before you talk to anybody about politics is try to find like common ground because 90% of the things you guys think you agree on. Yeah. It's that 5-10% that you disagree, which yeah. is the divide. So, you know, ask them first, hey, you love your parents, you love your family, you want the best for them, you want to pay less taxes? Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Everybody does, right? But do you want to pay taxes that are going to go to the things you believe in supporting? Yes. Okay, yeah, we believe the same thing, right? Yeah. You want to support children? Yeah. People in need? <sighs> you know, if they really deserve it. Yeah, okay, me too. Yeah. You know, so you find all that, those things you agree on and you connect and you're like, wow, we're way more alike than we are different. Yeah. And that's the motto of our my school that I teach at, like, more alike than different. Like mm-hmm. we're all more alike than different, right? Yeah. Like, but the point one percent that somebody disagrees on, it's like you're a baby murderer. Yeah. Whoa, no, I don't, I've never murdered a baby. Don't call me that. Don't yeah. throw blood on me. I've yeah. done any of that stuff. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's a it's a divide, you know. It's getting wider, and it's sad because people don't want to understand. They want to be right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that yeah, you totally just nailed it. It people should be more willing to be wrong and to admit that uh maybe the thing that they subscribed to for a long time wasn't correct. Yeah. And well you're a musician, right? Yeah. So you ever listen to a song for twenty years and then you're like, man, I've singing this song for twenty years and I just figured out what that lyric is. And I've been singing it wrong the whole time. Uh-huh. Right? You were sure. Yeah. Like, I've sang that song for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I knew what that word was. And you hear it that one time, you're like, oh, man, I've been wrong this whole time. Mm-hmm. Right? So everybody does that, right? Yeah. Like you sing a song and you know exactly the words. And then one day you're like, oh, my God. Like I looked the lyrics up and now it makes sense. That's the, that's the actual word it is. But not everybody will say I was saying that wrong. Right? Some people are like, you know what? I'm. But everybody's had that way. experience. So, <laughs> so how can they not understand that maybe you're wrong? You know, like I'll be the first to say, like anything I say, I could be wrong. And, me too. And, Prove uh, me wrong, and yeah. I will. I will say I was right. wrong. I don't care. I, I'm, I mean, I'm looking for the truth, man. Yeah. I don't care if it's from Trump or yeah. if it's from Biden or yeah. if it's from yeah. somebody down the street. I don't care about any of that. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking for the truth. Well, and there's certain things I'll make. No, I'm right. Mm, yeah. But I could be wrong. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, they, you know, like, yeah, maybe in the future, yeah, you you prove me wrong. But you go it's back 2020 to, hindsight. Like we were saying, like, how far back are we going to look? You go back to uh, Galileo, and I think it was the 1600s, 1610 or something like that. He was the first person to propose that, I think it's called heliocentric, where all the planets orbit around the sun. Yeah. Up until that time, Everyone in the world thought the earth thought the earth was the center and yep. everything went around it. Mm-hmm. And he proposed that idea with scientific fact and they threw him in jail. Yeah. And they're like, if you don't recant yeah, that wrong, yeah. and And we might murder you because of it. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. You have to be willing to say, and I, I don't believe in flat earth. 
okay, that sounds pretty stupid to me. But there's Maybe? a chance, you know, there's a chance. <laughs> I don't know, that one I might say. <laughs> Absolutely not, man. Absolutely not. Like, I've been on the top of Mount Hood, you know, I've looked down and yeah. it looks no, it looks round from there. That, so. one, that one's pretty proven. But Like, I can see in my GoPro, like, the arc of the earth from, you know, 30 miles out there, it looks like it's it's starting to curve and you're like, yeah, yeah. hey, no way this thing. Yeah. Basically. No, people, people just need to be willing to listen to different sources and... And be willing to change their opinion because no one really knows anything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's tough, man. Um, I mean, I could talk to you all, all sorts of conspiracy theories that I I believe, but I can't prove that, you know, like, it's funny because I talk to my parents about things and they're so middle class, closed minded baby boomers you know mm-hmm. um and i'll ask them questions and, blah, 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 and i'll push them i'll push them i'll push them and then they'll be like absolutely not like i don't think our government would do that and i'll go do you trust do you trust our government they're like no i'm like then why do you think they wouldn't do that yeah and they're like well i don't think they would you know like 9-11 i don't think they would kill four thousand people for their own good or for whatever their agenda was mm-hmm. But you think they would draft 50,000, 100,000, 18 to 25 year olds in 1960 to 70s to go fight in Vietnam? Mm -hmm. Like, you think they care more about those 4,000 people in the New York City than in the everywhere else, you know, Pentagon, than they did in those times? Mm -hmm. Like, how many people died in Vietnam? 67,000? Yeah. Like something like that. 58,000 American 58, lives is what they say, right? But they also say like millions, oh, millions of, Viet- of Viet- Vietnamese oh, yeah. people died, yeah. right? So it's like, how do you how do you not have an open mind that they could be doing things that disregard human life mm-hmm. when you have all this proof that they've done it before? Yeah. You know? So, it, I mean, it's just that... It's like question, you know, question things, like look into it. Yeah, all the crazy propaganda, blah, 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 but how many people died in these protests, you know? Mm-hmm. Could they be, somebody be poking the fire, being like, keep protesting, or we're going to pay people to protest, or? Yeah. No, there's there's always nefarious things happening in the background, and I think... Like we talked about earlier, there's uh, information is a lot easier to acquire, but misinformation is also easier to acquire. And so there, that's the disappointing thing is it doesn't feel like you can trust any source anymore. And that's why I like to go to um, Google News because it will populate with Huffington Post, Fox, AP, CNN, it gives you everything. Yeah. And so you can kind of, you, you can read a headline and go, oh, who wrote this? Oh, it's CNN. Okay, this is going to be pretty liberally biased. Who wrote this? Fox News. Okay, yeah. this is going to be pretty biased to the right. And you just kind of like try to filter it. Yeah. Because I don't know that anybody gives you anything unbiased well, anymore. They're all... They're, it's all about money. They, they have to make money and they're only going to get money if you click the article 
and then entertainment. They, they can get that ad revenue, you know? So it's, yeah, it's crazy. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it was like back in the day when you only had CBS, you know, when you had, uh, it was the same. Who, who, who people was... complained about it back then too, the same way we're complaining about really? it now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, you know, I, I read some quotes from him and I read one of his books. Um, I took a class on educational leadership and they made me like choose a book and I chose this Abraham Lincoln book and it was like this thick and I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? <laughs> and for the class, I didn't read it, but then I was like, oh man, I need to like read this. And there's many quotes in there where he is basically saying we have to control the media because we have to control the way people think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's still, you know, it's still going on. Like, uh, I don't know, man. Um, the more you look into it, the more you realize it's just entertainment, but it's, it's a narrative that, the media wants you to listen to yeah and they will pump it out as hard as they can until the mass amount of people listen yeah and uh, and believe and don't have an open mind anymore Mm -hmm. because it's been told to them so much that they think it's fact yeah right so there's no going back um i think that's how every war is started like you watch there's going to be a war in our future and before we go to war, the media will pump out so much propaganda that the American people will say, it's time. Mm-hmm. Let's F those people up. Yeah. Right? Oh, we can't have them with weapons of mass destructive. Mm-hmm. Like, they're going to come back. They're going to nuke us, right? Yeah. North Korea's got nuclear weapons. We better go fight them. Yeah. You just need an enemy to, to focus the attention on for sure. Yeah. And why would we go to war? Like, why would we go to war? We got everything, right? Like, well, Americans to acquire everything. something. The the last few wars have been Who to benefits get oil. from war. Who benefits? We do. Who? Us? You and me? No, 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 not us. But the, we're the country right? as a whole like, isn't that protecting our our patriotism and our rights by going to war? Yeah, protect us. Did you feel on... more protected when we went to Iraq? Uh, I didn't fully understand what was happening. We were kind of young. We, I mean, that was 2003. I just knew it was a big deal. Mm -hmm. But no, I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't seen any of the 9-11 conspiracy stuff. Uh, I didn't know anything about uh, Cheney. Yeah. Most of that stuff you can't understand until 20 years go by. People can speculate when it happens, but you don't get the full story until later. There's a lot of uh, documents that have been unclassified that I highly recommend everybody goes tries to like listen to or read. Um, a big, a big proponent of that is uh, Jesse Ventura, mm-hmm. who's the ex governor of Minnesota. Yeah. He's also a fake wrestler, you know, WWF wrestler. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, but he doesn't get ringworm like the no, rest of us. I'm sure he did, but um, steroids and all that. Uh, but he pumped out all these documents um, and books and stuff. And he's a he's a thinker, you know. He's like, why? Why would we do this? What is it benefiting? And for me, it always comes back to money, you know. Like if you sure. if you really want to 
know why a terrorist organization does what they do. It's because somebody's benefiting, you know, somebody's living a better life than all their subordinates. Somebody, somebody in our government is benefiting, you know, um, Halliburton, uh, the oil companies, the companies that you never heard of that are the mother companies of, you know, all these things are, are making a lot of money on weapons and mass destruction of other places otherwise we would have gone into uganda you know we would have gone and stopped all these people who were really mass murdering people yeah but it wasn't to our benefit you know it wasn't it wasn't going to help our yeah exactly it wasn't going to help our economy yeah which really means it wasn't going to help the people who are the most powerful who make the most money who say that it trickles down right so um war is just an economy you know and i think people realize people are weird and they think they're patriotic, but I don't think, I don't know, this is going to be very controversial, but I don't think you're a hero because you go to war, you know? Like, heroism isn't the definition of, like, I went to war, like, I'm a hero. Like, you know, you come back from Afghanistan, it doesn't mean you're a hero. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to do something heroic to be a hero. Yeah. And just signing up to go to war doesn't make you a hero. I'm not anti, anti-military. Um but I'm anti-murder, you know? Yeah. And for our co- our country to go out and murder a bunch of people with with when we've never proven that they've done anything wrong. Yeah, I know, think... It's a, weird, it's a weird thing. I think most of the people who join the military have good intentions and they don't... They don't fully understand what it is they're doing. Mm-hmm. And there are some evil people above them with different plans yep yeah yeah and those people don't feel like they're evil right they justify their actions they realize probably that there's something that they have to feel and think to make them feel that what they're doing is okay you know like we're protecting the american people yeah from who you know do you so let me ask you this because i ask people this all the time when i started talking about them about military and conspiracies where were the people from, most of the people who they say were the 9-11 attackers? Where were they from? Um, the hijackers. One, one of the stands, Afghanistan or Pakistan? No? I can't remember. It's one of our biggest allies. Saudi Arabia? Yep. Yeah. I, I've seen a ton of stuff on 9-11 conspiracy, uh, and I'm just forgetting yeah so most of the people are those hijackers were from saudi arabia mm-hmm. why didn't we attack saudi arabia yeah like why didn't we hold them accountable because those people supposedly went to the united states got trained out of fly planes went back to afghanistan not iraq and then they attacked us yeah saddam was a was a nice target to infiltrate the middle east and and yeah, and establish gone, more bases. You know? Have, has the world become a better place because we did I, that? I don't know for sure, but I think Iraq is like a wasteland. Like the things are not yeah. good. Who knows, right? Has that made America better? Are we? Do we have more power and oil because of that? Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, I don't think so. I think we have more oil. <laughs> we have more oil now from our own. Like through the Obama years, right? We pumped more oil than ever. Mm-hmm. Like he built that up. 
which people don't talk about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know all the figures. I could be wrong, of course, always. But um, we need to become self-sustainable. Sus- sufficient. Yeah. sufficient. We need to be able to not rely on other countries. Uh, and I'm not yeah. talking about like a nationalism, like we're the best, we're going to only protect us. But for me, like, I'm only going to attack, like, I'm not going to shoot at somebody unless they're shooting at me, you know? Like, why are we on the offensive? Like, we have all these bases in all these countries. The, the most important part, in my opinion, is for us to recognize that it's a human issue and we need to work together because we're all on the same planet and it doesn't matter what imaginary line gets drawn through the sand. Like who gives a shit about that? But until something insane happens Mm -hmm. beyond what's happening right now, you think this could potentially bring everybody together and it hasn't. The only other thing I was having this discussion at work the other day, it's divided us even farther. It has for sure. Uh, the only thing that could potentially bring us together is like an alien invasion. And I don't even know if that would work. I don't think so. I, think I people, don't. Some people would be still, like, bring it on. We need to love the aliens. Some yeah. people would be like, shoot them down. You know? Yeah. It would but still become a red versus blue thing somehow. Be a little, a it's so somehow. ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. I wish, uh, I wish everybody could go out into outer space and look back at earth and be like, wow, we're all from the same planet. Yeah. Like we should all just think of ourselves as earthlings. We're all in it together. We're all earthlings, man. We're all just humans. Yeah. We're not different that Mm -hmm. much. You know, we're more alike than different. Uh, Will Smith had something on Netflix. Uh, I don't know what it's called, Blue Planet or something like that. Like it was about space and all these uh, astronauts and their experience and how their life changed when they went to space and came back. And that's all of them like hands down were like the first thing I realized is we're all humans from Earth. Mm -hmm. And they look back on Earth and they realize we're not American. We're not. We're all just people. Yeah. And uh, we need to think of it as a global society. And that's really hard for most people. Um, and it's hard for me, you know. Like you look at that house, and then it's my house. You know, what happens in my house, that house, and my property, your property. I still yell at people for being in my yard. You know, it's like, <laughs> don't walk across my lawn, man. Yeah, I'm that old man. But I'm but it's still like it's a respect thing, you know? It's yeah. like, hey, get off my lawn. And I yell at them and they look at me like, Oh yeah, I shouldn't be on this guy's yard. Mm-hmm. But it's like you're cutting through my property. My property. But you know what I mean? It's that's yeah. how weird is that? Yeah. How you know, I'm just as bad of a ridiculous whatever you call it, uh no, it, like, I mean, a there's other things associated with it. You, you know, it's hypocrisy. You work hard to make money to pay for the property that you own. It's your area. And I just mowed it. And you just mowed it. Don't be walking on my freshly mowed grass. Yeah. No, it, it, you can view it from all angles. Yeah. And uh, people should just try to do that more often. And it would be better. It would. Not, not get so mad about stupid stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's a... Uh, 
that's a great great idea people wouldn't get some <laughs> stupid stuff okay just do that world yeah just don't get mad about stupid stuff but the problem is is your stupid stuff is important to me mm-hmm. and my stupid stuff isn't important. yeah like so yeah. everybody's opinion is different and um it's weird man yeah. and we all act like children yeah we're, we're all just like you know i look at my kid and he gets what he wants you know like if we all cried and screamed and kicked you know, the loudest person usually gets mm-hmm. partially what they want and yeah. that's what my son does like he goes ah 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 and that means up in his language you know mm-hmm. and he cries if he doesn't get it and i'm like oh god okay and i bring him up so it's stupid to me but for him that's life and death like yeah. my dad has to pick me up right now or i'm gonna cry and i'm gonna mm-hmm. throw a fit um you know it's, it's the human experience it's weird man it's weird it's good stuff all right roland we gotta shut it down all right dude i'm glad you came over yeah that's good for everything yeah man i love you man yeah that's good too, bro stuff. yeah all right dude